Here we go. There we go. Look at that. Technology. It's a great thing. Yeah, I'll just... Hello, Kerry. Hello, Graham. How are you? Not bad. You enjoyed watching me fluff around? Yeah, uh, you know, we were going for a little bit, you know. So uh, you might not have heard we're live. We are on Facebook, okay? I can see the live. Thought you're here. (laughs) There you go. I see you're back to your uh, traditional black shirt again. Was it a good time in the wash cycle or something like that? Yeah, just uh, the blue one was uh, unavailable tonight. Otherwise, I'd, I might get some <laughs> other colours. I might get like a pink and a, um, I don't know what other colours are bright. We were we tried for the one of the twenty two shoots we did. I tried to encourage everyone to turn up in Hawaiian shirts because there was going to be like a you know a, a spot prize for the brightest shirt. So I think I'll encourage that forevermore as well, just to get everyone out of the, the black and the camo and the browns and the greens and everything, which is valid. I get it. But um, if we're at a shooting comp, you don't need to be in the camo. I, I appreciate that. So I wonder if Simon will wear a pink shirt. I doubt it. He'll Ooh. be listening. I doubt he will. <laughs> I can't see us getting him into a pink shirt. I don't know. He's, he goes pretty bright with his orange. He's, he's pretty yeah, consistent with blaze orange. You know, we could get yeah. a blaze pink maybe. What do you reckon? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He's still using a wooden stock on his gun, so I doubt we're going to get him. <laughs> no, mate, fun. Um, yeah, well, anyway, what are we, what's going on tonight, Kerry? What's the plan? What's the topic? What's the, uh, what's the, the, uh, the, the topic tonight is the other stuff we bolt onto our guns. So we all like to talk about calibers and uh, scopes and all those bits and pieces, um, ballistic calculators, all those bits and things. But let's, uh, for tonight we'll talk about some of the other stuff. There's some obvious ones that we do kind of talk about, bipods and tripods. Um, but then suppressors, slings, brakes, cases, and, uh, yeah, other stuff that we kind of have, which, you know, are useful things to have around and people don't always think about, um, you know. Backpacks I like it. To, ca- I like to carry it. all the stuff in. So yeah, Ooh, backpacks. I've been right into backpacks. Lately. Yeah, I know. Uh, rumors you've uh, yeah you've been on a backpack mesh. Um, so uh, first of all, though, I see you've got another project in the works. Just a small, like a you know, pea shooter of a gun. <laughs> yeah, always something going on here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so obviously a lot of people would have seen it. They are three hundred wind mag. I've sort of punched off Jeff. Yep. on the gun rack. Um, you're going to try. Do like an intensive handload, like a like an over the top bench rest. Right, gotcha. You know, so for super consistent, and then yep. um, uh, yeah, try see what we can do out to a couple of kilometres. Now that we've sort of um, uh, hashed up the way to do that, where, where we shoot. So yeah. Um, oh man, you got you got if you've got the area to do it, it'd be a crying shame not to, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, like I'd like to build um, a purpose built rifle. For it, uh, yeah. Just um, funding that is is difficult, obviously. Um, something really big or really whiz bang, anyway. But three hundred mag will do it on paper, and I know mm. people overseas do it, and people in New Zealand do it. So um, I thought, why not go back to basics? And it's also my first long range cartridge too. Was three hundred mag um, horrendous choice for me as a young lad, but but now I think I can at least try and uh, take advantage of. You know the the big thirty cal magnum and and see see if we can go out past that one mile point. Um, yeah, so just just clicking up a few bits and pieces still, just sorting a scope, which is pretty much sorted now. Um, 
yeah, so ho- hopefully I can start loading for it in the next maybe month or so. Um, once I figure out what projectiles I'm going to use, I've got powder, I've got cases, I've got primers. But um, yep. yeah, and then yeah, and then it'll just be a matter of getting that load that good. Well, well, really, it's a, a, a tight, you know, really consistent velocities is what I'm after. Yeah. And then, um, and then, yeah, starting to work its way up. Uh, that's that's the thing. I mean, the the distance out of that distance, what we almost deem as usable or acceptable for field shooting becomes enough to be putting you off the top or the bottom of the the target before we even 100%. think about wind. You know, just SD, like we might be aiming or ES as we were looking for single digits. It's like, well, that's pretty much going to be uh, you know mandatory for shooting it that far. Otherwise, you'll be frustrated knowing is it my shooting or is it the ammo or you just got to rule all these things out yeah well we've we've talked about it many times but like i'd happily shoot a field match that's sub 700 meters with 30 feet per second variance in fact ammo i wouldn't be concerned about that letting me down it'd also be me and wind and and those sort of things but when it comes to the uh a bit further so we were doing some shooting at a mile and a friend had his strand of wind mag um, which is good at a K, it's awesome. But the hand loads at a mile, he was just putting bullets all around the target. Mm. It was quite. It was a bigger target than I normally run, so um, it, his load just wasn't consistent enough to. Like the group was just too big at that distance, essentially, and um, opening up due to the velocity. Increase yeah. and decrease. Yeah. And it, it's interesting as well because people say, you know, a K or 1200 or the mile relatively becomes easier. But then the further you go out, the more of a challenge, more of a challenge, it becomes very quickly. It becomes, yeah, because distances, angular, everything just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger. Yeah. So I it's, mean, it's, with, with the mile, I've found I can't put 10 rounds out of 10 rounds on target at a mile on a 24 inch plate, like sort of going well with like some of the setups, I can maybe do six out of 10 in reasonable conditions. Um, again, not a big target. Um, so I've still got a little bit of work to do there for sure, but um, having a really good backstop, I think is um, obviously, yeah. I'm not talk- I am talking safety, but I'm talking bullet splash, um, being able to spot that, that miss or you know, get your wind on the first or second shot and then correct and, and hopefully then be engaging the target accurately rather than just like looking mm. for clues. Um, yeah, once we got that sorted and in a really good position and when you've got the light in a, a usable area, so there's um, no shadows in the target, <laughs> it, it opens up that long the range. stars align and... Yeah, yeah well, yeah. we did it. We, we, we first built the position. We first um, shot at it. It was middle of winter. And it was, I think, up until like 11 a.m., we just couldn't see anything. Mm-hmm. And then the sun come over the hill, you know, it's low, in, it's low in winter. And then, bang, first shot, oh, there's the bullet right below the target. Okay, bring it up. Yep. Uh, yeah. Well, nearly hit, whatever. But um, it's just having having that, uh, I guess, experience now to go, okay, the conditions are, the light conditions are better. It's going to be yep. better for spotting. It's going to be this, that, and the other thing. Um it's Whereas if we're thing, shooting, man. Yeah, if if we're shooting crack- 600, it doesn't matter. We can just shoot yeah. and you see the bullet blow the grass to bits. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's the biggest thing. If you can't see your misses, you can't adjust. It's the, the, you know, and you get crappy, misty days. Well, misty days or stuff where spotting becomes hard, life becomes hard. It's just that yeah. 
you know, um, I've been even at Bounagam where we are, 550 to 700 and just the mist and things came together where I was like, guys can keep shooting, but I cannot see where these rounds are going. So we're going to just be doing a little bit of a Hail Mary to try and get something out there. And then if yeah. someone gets something on a target or close, you spot that one that just hits that bit of dirt or something. You're like, oh, got it, got it, got it. And then mm. you can kind of move yep. in from there. I found uh, that with the 223 at distance, obviously much shorter distances, but I compete <clears throat> competed with it once. And if I wasn't on target, there was no call. Mm. You know, same thing, small bullet, long grass. And it was just, you had to be, well, I mean, it's the point of the game and it hit the target, but you have to be on target. So. Anyway, anyway, we're, we're, we're rambling about stuff. Good. Not, not so have you got, uh, we've got a, got a question. Have you got an idea of a target size you're going for at that 2K? Uh, I'd love to stick with 24 inches, but I'm just not good enough. It would be my... Um, so what's, what's 24 inches at 2K going to be in an MOA? Uh, just over MOA. Wait, 600. I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, well, well, <laughs> well, I think uh, I've been talking yeah. to Mark and talking to uh, Simon... And yeah. probably going to go for a one one meter by one meter um, yeah. square. Um, uh, yeah, it sounds like a big target at short distance, but at two thousand meters, it's not too bad. No, it's not. Well, hang on, let's see. Calculate. So, yeah, twenty four inches at two thousand meters is one moa, whereas yeah, which is going to be teeny. Whereas so a meter is going to be one point eight or something. Yeah, one one point seven two, one point eight, half a mil. Yeah, see, that still doesn't Oddly sound enough, that big. because that, that does make sense. That's actually nice and round if we do it that way. But yeah. Yeah, it's far yeah, easier. No, half, half a mil target is, um, mm. yeah. It's almost <laughs> if, if mils is, is way easier for some reason. Um, <laughs> Just have mils in your head, it'll feel easier yeah. while you're shooting it. But I'd um, say that's what we'll go with is that, um, that one meter by one meter square. Yeah. And being that it's, um, low energy regardless of what cartridge you're shooting at that distance I, I, you really don't need to buy big expensive heavy um high grade targets you can get away with sort of uh, lower grade steel because the energy yep. on targets just not there even with bigger guns it's not there um yeah um Blair's just pointed out two kilometers one meter is a standard world record size target shit i better make it bigger then <laughs> but, but this is but the world, like the world record is what two out of the first three hits on a given day so oh yeah I won't be doing and that. a pile of stuff so I wouldn't that's right hey it's it's um you know something to aim towards <laughs> yeah <laughs> literally so yeah I've been I've been having fun with um sorting the six creed more this week and last week because I've been having I don't know, I haven't really put much up I think but I've been getting pressure signs at at mm-hmm. I got a load sorted and I was like, yeah, velocity is good. Everything's good. And I did another batch of 10 rounds and shot and I was just getting, you know, the sticky lift and everything. It wasn't right. And in the end, I stopped and took a step back, looked at it. I went, yeah, now I got, I got pressure signs, um, but I didn't get them in the small primer pocket because I'm so used to large primers, small primers, rifle primers. They weren't flattening out. And then someone pointed out, it's like, yeah, but they don't, you can get massive pressure and they just don't. What's the other mm-hmm. things? I'm like, yeah, I got all the other signs. And um, been talking to because I've got Peterson Brass, mm-hmm. and what we've nailed it down to after a bit of emails with um, uh, Greg Customs Guns and and the boys at Peterson Brass. So Peterson Brass is known and has a thicker neck than most brass, and we've got a it's it's not it's not really a neck turn chamber, but it's obviously a fairly tight chamber. So the Hornaday factory stuff, no problems. 
from mm. Peterson Brass, I'm getting, I think it's three thou of expansion, measured a fired case, measured a seated, and I, I basically I'm pushing, trying to push the bullet through the brass when I chamber yeah. the round. So um, I, in the end, I'm basically heading towards neck turning, which is not something I've ever really done with brass. I've just like, just haven't. So, which of course means now I need to get a full length die rather than my neck pushing die so I can properly resize it and then do it back once. And mm. yeah, so sorting out all the bits and pieces for that. So, because it's yeah. not like it, somebody said, just get some different brass. I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah, mm. that's simple. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, I got 150, 149 bits there now because I use the um, uh, AMP annealer uh, Aztec mode. So that nails one round. Yeah. Um, so 149 bits of brass. And I think another one's going to get chewed up and set up. So yeah, it's like, no, nah, I'm going to try and use this. So I'll be getting into neck turning. Yep. Cool. Uh, I think, yeah, Simon, Simon neck turns all his, his two seconds. Well, yeah, and I know a lot of guys do. A lot of guys swear by it. I one of my early interviews with Robin from Reading, he pretty much made a strong case not to, and went on the approach of get good brass. You shouldn't need to neck turn unless your chamber requires you to neck turn. So now yeah. I have a chamber that requires me to neck turn. So um, you know, so yeah, that'll be a few late nights sitting there whittling, whittling away bits of brass off the neck of my um, cases. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. Interesting, but other than that, I've, oh, not played, I've not played with it a lot at all. No. So, um, I know I know. guy up here, I'm pretty sure he's got all the gear for it, so I think it'll be a few visits over him to mm. use some of his gear rather than setting up a full neck-turning rig because I don't, won't do it for anything else, I don't think. Yeah, so. do, your, do your rounds and be done with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. do it once, hopefully it's done. So that's all good. Um had a uh, interesting one of a suppressor this week on a client's. Well, I had one gun that just wouldn't shoot anything, so we don't know what's wrong with that. And the other one, um, basically, when we put the suppressor on, it's not – there's no baffle strikes, and it's an oversized suppressor, and I, I I really don't see that being the issue, but it's a 338 bore on a 308, so it's, mm. you know, it's over – Four, I suppose is a term, but yeah, it's not hitting by like anything. But like a millimeter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you're like, well, I don't think it's hitting anything, and I can't visibly visibly see it in there. But uh, as soon as you put the suppressor on, um, it's causing the projectiles to drop a couple of millimeter, a uh, couple of not millimeters, couple of meters, and slightly off to the left. Um. So yeah, take it back off, shoot straight, put it back on. It's fine. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. So we'll try it, put a different can on it, see if it fixes it, and then start dissecting that uh, suppressor and see what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it shouldn't give it that much of a harmonic issue. No, It'd be meters. Yeah, it's it's like yeah. I have a big uh, one of those big um, uh, what do you call them? The big boards building sheets mm. sort of things, and it's not even on there. It's way off. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, take it off. It's um, fine, and it's a quick mount. It's got a muzzle brake and mounts over top. Just muzzle brake's fine, so I don't think it's the thread. It's yeah, it's a bit of an odd one. So we'll figure it out. Yeah. All right. So accessorizing. Yes. If only you could enter that photo of your gun with nineteen bipods on it right now. <laughs> All the times when I had the yeah the red dot and was trying to figure out how to put a forty five offset red dot on it as well and 
Yeah, there's some well accessorized. So we're not really talking about the um, the paint jobs, or I suppose that's that's another thing to consider. Although Blair, I think, beats us with the the paint jobs at the moment. Um, we'll start at some of the obvious stuff and, and move maybe over into the less obvious stuff. So these days, for you, do you I, always depending on the purpose, depending on the situation? But what's your thoughts uh, as of tonight on the old? Um, uh, suppressor versus muzzle brake versus nothing debate. We're going to rule out nothing. We're yeah, nothing. nothing. A, we're going to have a muzzle device on there of some kind. I was born in the 90s. I'm not going to use no bloody muzzle device. <laughs> um, it still amazes me when guns turn up from guys and they don't. You're just like, would you put something on here, please? I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, for the most part, suppressors. I, I We've talked about it before, but I have, I ran brakes, then I've come back around to suppressors. Um, mm. But I do see the advantage of shooting uh, one of my 6.5 Creeds the other day with a brake on it, and the recoil was lovely. It's noisy, but the impulse recoil impulse was nicer, easier to manage. Um, yeah. But I'll stick with suppressors for now uh, at this point in time. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just getting rid of that noise. Um, and I'm shooting a 6mm, so... Uh, and it's a reasonably heavy system, so I've got a bit of weight. I've got a low recoiling cartridge, um, and so this, the muzzle brake isn't as critical as it would be on a really big cartridge. Um, yeah. And, and just if you're in a, let's say, competition setting, and you're in a squad that's all suppressed, it's so much nicer. Your day's just um, <laughs> easier. That's a lovely day. That, oh, yeah, that concussive blast on some of the, you know, Although I, I still see people setting up to spot right looking down the ports of the guy's muzzle brake and you're just like, yep. dude, it's not going to, I don't know. Look, if you're, if you're listening in, if you can see down the ports of a muzzle brake, you are going to get right in the wash of the blast. That's how muzzle brake works. It's directing the sound back and if you're looking yep. straight up it, you're right, right in it. So uh, another reason to be spotting from directly behind the guy apart from angles and stuff like that. I know it doesn't work if you're doing it with a rifle. Most guys are nervous if you just sling a rifle up right, right over their ass. But you know, other than that, get get in there because it's yeah, it's just a, a good good place to spot from, basically. Yeah, and you end yeah. aside. So um, yeah, I, I same thing. I mean, when I first started shooting, my 308 had a muzzle brake. I got one of the T2s, which is mm-hmm. a phenomenal brake. And yes, it was the thing was super mild, but. I still just found, yeah, I shooting that. Then I had a, I got a, basically I got a suppressor and a muzzle brake for the gun at the same time, and um, got I think it what was it, yeah, I think it was a DPT or maybe it was one of Dean Maisie's um, silence. Anyway, but yeah, I had both of them and I just shot off muzzle brake because it was like watching overseas PRS. Everyone has muzzle brakes. Everyone uses muzzle brakes. Everyone in the US muzzle brakes, and then used the suppressor a few times and also came to the conclusion that a lot of people in the US use muzzle brakes because suppressors are a real pain in the ass to get hold of and saw a switch as guys were getting them and going, well, if I can use it, I will. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I still, I still try to explain to people the recoil using a muzzle brake is less than a suppressor. And, and yes, you may notice it. No, you may not compared to a suppressor depending on what you're shooting. But I still find that that concussive blast, if you're not shooting a lot, can almost be more detrimental than the slightly more recoil you get out of a suppressor. Yep. 
Um, and I know Sam would counter argue this, but then Sam shoots a hell of a lot of guns, as do yourself, as do people often, where they're like, oh, no, a break is awesome. It's like, well, yeah, but you're shooting it, you're shooting them a couple of times a, a week. So you're just used to it. Um, yeah, but you don't feel like you're about to get punched in the face. I don't think the human, you know, physiology is just, it's just geared up to go into defense mode when it gets hit like that, basically. So. Yeah, no, you're right. I've seen it um, affect shooters and you put a suppressor, but to the point they're closing their eyes before the shot mm. and flinching, put a suppressor on and they're all of a sudden they can shoot straight, you know, so. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and getting a, a buzzle break past a lot of hunters is a hard thing. They don't even want to know about them. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, like I also, I consider like where Unless... Unless the boys are the, you, I get a lot of guys who are determined to build the lightest rigs possible because they're going mountain hunting, so they're going to put a muzzle brake on it, and then yeah. you end up all nothing. And this is where you see these cannons in carbon stocks with nothing on the muzzle, and you're like, yeah, that's gonna, that's gonna boot, and <laughs> they do. And yeah. I shoot them, I zero them, I put them back in the bag, and go, I don't want to shoot that anymore. So I don't yeah. think the owner's going to. So yeah, oh, it's just is what it is, isn't it? Um, mm. I'm sort of conscious about uh, kind of where I shoot at home. Um, I'm conscious about making a little bit less noise if I can. So, yep. Um, yeah, if, I'd much rather be shooting a suppressed firearm um, at my home range anyway. just I, I don't have any issues, but I just, I'm trying to be courteous to the, the, the properties that are reasonably yep. close um, and they're nice people. So, the less I can harass them on their nice. Summer evenings, the better. Um, yeah. But well, yeah. Yeah. The same thing at Bounagown. Part And also part of the reason why I've been doing the setup days on a Tuesday during the day, because I'm like, well, likelihood the people in the, the neighbouring properties, unless if they're, you know, if it's a lifestyle property, they're probably away at work Tuesday yep. during the middle of the day. Um, but yeah, even some of the big, big things we shoot out there, it's like, oh man, yeah, not too many rounds through that if we can avoid it. Yeah, no, you, you got it. Like, it's not so bad if I got RTD, it's fine. We're way up in the bloody hills. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter. But, um, and especially for your yeah, more built up um, areas that are slowly being built up into um, lifestyle areas, like you say, you've got to still be respectful um, with neighboring properties. Yeah. Well, as I explained to people when we're doing the licensing, it's the same as like, you know, doing stuff with firearms around your house. This is more se urban or semi-urban environment, you know, central Auckland. It's like, yeah, if you're going to be dry firing, cleaning your gun, learning how the thing works, whatever it is, it's probably not a bad idea to have a bit of discretion. Maybe close the blinds so you're not wandering around the house with a gun. Yeah. And, and to a certain extent, it's the same thing with running a suppressed. No, we don't have to. But if we're a little bit courteous to the people around us, then happy communities, just better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, so um, agree. So, in regards to suppressors, do you have any guns that you're running a muzzle forward, or are they all muzzle over, muzzle back, muzzle over, whatever you want to call it? Uh, my 260 is a muzzle forward DPT unit. Uh, oh, it's okay. Just, it's just what I have. It's just a half by 23, you know, small barrel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that's just because it's what is there in the gun room. Um, and then I've got sort of several of the Sonic options. Which are over barrel or the latest Sonic, the Compact Forty, or something. That's only 
over barrel, but only by about an inch and a half or something. It's quite okay. minimal. Um, rather than the older Sonics, which I've got a couple of two, they, they go over quite a way. Mm. Um, I, I'd rather, uh, a match gun, I'd rather have less over the barrel than, yeah, I'd rather not have it too, too covered up just because of the amount of heat I'm going to be um, putting through that thing. But, but then again, you put it too far forward, you're getting off balance and then, um, next thing you know, I'll be strapping 600 bloody weights to my gun and trying to balance it out and all of that. <laughs> um, yes. So I, um, I mean, I'd never had until I, I, uh, built the six Creed with the car axle barrel. Um, I was going to order a DBT to put over it, over barrel, and then quickly realized that it just wasn't going to fit on the barrel. It wasn't an option. The only thing I was going to be able to do was run a muzzle forward. So we trimmed the barrel down a little bit from the from how it was supplied. I think it was a 26 or a 27. So I've come down to a 24. I think that's right. And then got the muzzle forward. So I was like, well, it's good. it could be a bit long, but I don't know. I haven't, my, my par times from going from barricade area to barricade area are not quick enough that coming back a little bit extra because I've got that little bit extra length. It's, yeah, it's, it's not the reason I'm slow. Yeah getting into position yet i can see one day yet but it's yeah so other yeah. than that yeah i I'm, I'm i'm slowly leaning away from longer barrels to like a medium profile barrel just because of um the style of the field events we have um yeah so my creedmoor got rebarreled my 65 creedmoor by hardy that's just been posted so i hopefully get that tomorrow or the next day um but i went with a 24 inch in the end so i was going to go 22 we went 24 um, but I can always chop another yeah. two inches off easy. So um, I'm looking forward to having that and playing around with it. But I've also gone to a slightly heavier, heavier barrel too um, than the previous factory option that was on there. So, yeah, I'm like you say, and that'll be that'll be a semi-over barrel because I'll run that suppressed because um, mm. there's still several competitions coming up. So I'm going to have to run both the 6mm and the 6.5s. Um, otherwise, I'll run out of componentry. And <laughs> um, <laughs> in, in fact, to the point, like in the background here, I'm 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 looking through websites looking for alternate projectiles to have like an alternate six millimeter load to go along with my Hornaday one. But start, start whittling down six five projectiles <laughs> to lay, turn them down as little lead. But yeah, um, well, I, I might um I might maybe just on topic of it, I might go with a um some Burgess or something and yeah. I'm just looking, I can buy like 600 of them or something. I mean, it's a lot of money that I don't have. But if I find some money, buy a big stack of them, I don't doubt that I'll be able to get to shoot well. And then, yeah. um, So it's like, okay, this match we're running uh, my Hornaday 108s. And then next match, right, I've already got this load. I've got the data, re-zero. And this, this load's already going to be confirmed out to a K or whatever. Um, well, like... Getting- I- yeah, I can see the value. I mean, it's a, again a cost thing up front, but I see the value of the guys overseas where they'll talk about buying all their projectiles and components for a season once they've yep. got their load and just lock it down and go, right, that's it. I'm not pissing around with this gun for the next year. And then at the end of that, we can relook at it, but just stop mucking around, shoot it for a year, and then um, go from there. I guess the no, problem is yep. we're never, we're never, a lot of us are never happy with where it gets to. We're always like fiddling with it rather than going, oh, good enough. Well, speaking of good enough, so this is the issue too, right? So me and, and the guys I kick around with a lot, we shoot a lot of 6.5 Creedmoor. 
um, again, it's hard to get parts and stuff, but even factory ammo, I'd love to just shoot factory ammo, but it's expensive. So mm. um, we're slowly getting the gear together. I'm going to start, um, I've sort of managed to track down cheap Hornaday, is it the AP, the, the Hornaday Progressive? I'm just going to try come up with a some thumb suck sort of load that'll kind of replicate like American Gunner that's like sub 30 feet per second variance. I'm not too picky, but I just want it to work okay in multiple 6.5s, yep. just like the factory does. Yep. Just so we can practice and, you know, put time behind the rifles rather than um, being having to. Each yeah, round. and and so and then we're going where I'm going with that is so like buying and powder and, you know, four kilo tubs and projectiles by the shit, you know, if we can bring you enough cash we'll buy four thousand of the bloody things yep. or something once yep. we've got this load and then it'll be it'll be hornaday brass because we've got a zillion of them and yeah. um it's good enough for field shooting this is the idea um we'll see if it works i mean you've played around with a lot before progressive um loading yeah, so. yeah. well uh, still my six my six creed still my my match rifle my main match rifle will always yeah it's a 550 dylan 550 mm-hmm. although i seat Separately, I should mm-hmm. I, I charge and I charge still. I don't throw like anyone listening with five fifty progressives. I'm not throwing powder like you would with a pistol as part of the, the powder throw. It's still individually measured and put into a there, and then I seat separately. But all yeah. the brass prep and everything else is basically done on a five fifty as one big run through. So, um, yeah, and you know I've measured out. It's a couple of thou run out. It's well within what I deem yeah. acceptable. It's you know, and if anyone really argues, I go, well, David Tubb is loading on his 550 still, I believe, so go argue with him. Yeah, and, and that's the idea. Like, if I can, obviously, it's I could do this on a single stage, but the, the time it takes yeah. is significant, and I still work a full-time job and, and a young family and all that. So if I can just go in the shed for a couple of hours and blast out a heap of good enough ammo, yeah. Um, again, the same for shooting plus a K. This is for the sub seven hundred. Yeah, yeah. A Tarata type match. Yeah. Our tapu. Um, man, I've, I'm, I don't know, I've been thinking about it for a while, and we're just sort of going to start to do it now, and, and and start maybe pre-ordering our projectiles so when the load comes in, we've got a big stack ready to go. And um, oh, well, I can't. Sorry, I can't help you with the Hornet AIP. I've still got some of the um the hot rotting stuff of the Dillinza. If you ever to go that way. Yeah, Hornaday for now. I'm, I'm I'm a bit of a Hornaday guy. I don't know why. I just am. Well, you could take a Dylan and paint it red if it really made that much difference. It'd be fine, <laughs> mate. It's okay. No, I've already I've already sorted myself a Hornaday. So. <laughs> okay. so yeah, so um, so yeah, suppressors and um, the other thing is as well, are you running covers on them? Because it's something I've seen years ago at. Now, what was what was Simon's shoot that was in the? It was a flat range, and you just walked backwards. Oh, Aitrahonga. One of so, the coolest shoots ever. Yes, it was. Um, I was at that shoot. I had, um, oh, my God, I've got a mind blank on his name. Shane from uh, Guns NZ in Rotorua was shooting mm-hmm. a 308 RPR. Yeah. And I was spotting for him. He had an Oceania defense uh, can on the front, titanium, and uh, um, suppressor cover. And he was shooting, and I kept on saying to him, come down, you need to come down, you need to come down. And he kept on going high, and I said, you're coming down, hurry up, come down, are you not coming down, are you listening to me? And um, at the end of it, I said, did you come down? I was trying to correct you, Um, but the rounds kept on going higher and higher and higher and higher. And it got to the point, I said, hang on a moment, 
because I had an inkling. So his suppressor obviously was going to be hot enough that I'd lose skin if I touched it. His barrel was so hot I really couldn't touch it, and his action was so hot that I couldn't touch it. And he was still trying to pound around through this thing as well. So I said, all right, let's take one, take the cover off and let this gun cool down because it's you, you're going to have a meltdown shortly. Mm-hmm. And we'll let the suppressor cool down. Um, and he said, well, we don't have to. I happen to have a spear Oceania defense titanium suppressor here. I was like, you tinny bastard. So I took that off and then ran, ran it for the rest of the match without that cover on it and didn't have an issue. So again, my, my, um, public service announcement, if you're running a cover on it and it is actually a proper insulating style cover, take it off between strings of fire. That's what they're desi- how they're designed to be used, not leave the things on there. Um, neoprene ones, the other one's a bit different, but if you get them like some of the ones we made out of that we're utilising basically welding mat in the middle of it, everything gets hot. And the heat's got to go somewhere. It doesn't magically, yep. it's not making it disappear. It's got to go somewhere. So. Yeah, so I run uh, well, on seven of my rigs. I run them. Um, I haven't had too much issues, albeit I I do find it depends how fast. So I'm saying competition is here. Right? Yeah. Um, if if you're on a day that's moving quite quickly, as in you're going stage to stage relatively fast, and it's a hot day, I find my little six is staying quite warm regardless. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll take the suppressor off and. Thing. And to the point where if I had had my um, little magneto speed fan, I would have put it in there, even though everyone moans about how noisy it is. But, um, but yeah, I can see that maybe contributing to it. I've never really thought about it that much. I'm just trying to keep that mirage down. Um, Which is, yeah, that's why we do it. The other factor is, is this was a 308. So if we're running six five sixes. Maybe they run a little bit cooler, you know. I don't know. I don't know. Could have could have been the RPR, the barrel, the whatever the combo was. This thing was horrendous. Um, but yeah, and like I said, if we ran it without, yes, you start having mirage potentially. So you're you're battling that as well. So. Yeah, I, I wonder. Yeah, because I have noticed in the last couple of comps, my 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 um, setup being rather warm mm. as I go to my next stage, and that that could have something to do with it. Um, but the covers do look cool. I've always thought they look cool. Oh, of, of course. And, um, and wave, you know, you can weave like stuff through them and really up your <laughs> front of your gun if you really need to as well. Something else to hook up on Simon's nets. You know, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, that, actually, that's a good point, the net. See, I'm technical with the net and I'll take off everything I don't need. I'm like, yep. bipod, don't need it. There's a lump of dirt I can stick my gun on or, or something like, or I'll tuck it in my shirt like, I tell at some point I noticed some guys take gun bags, but for me yeah. it's a bit odd. <laughs> I, uh, I saw that demonstrated and went, yeah, that is the way to do it, but I'm not carrying my gun bag around. But yeah. it was a really quick run, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Although my gun bag's got enough sticky outy stuff on it, which we'll talk about shortly, enough sticky outy stuff on it anyway that it would I wouldn't want to do it. But yeah, a simple bag would work for it. So yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just something for guys to consider as well. I mean, it it depends. I mean yeah, that 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 competition we're talking about, guys were still, I think, was it the RPRs you could run the PMAGs in? So it was like 30-round PMAGs being loaded into guns and stuff as well yeah. and being emptied yeah. on a stage. It was, there was a lot of spray and pro going on on a few stages, but that's all right. Yeah. yeah. It's I, not, I an, it's I, not an issue anymore either, is it? No. To a 30-round magazine go for a bot gun. Go to jail doing that. Yeah, uh, I actually yeah. quite often talk with Simon about that event. The events, there was two of them. Um, yeah, man, they were good. 
even okay, semis, okay, whatever. But the the format taking advantage of a square range like that, and just yep. one set of targets, and then yep. moving back, it worked. You know, like yep. if, if that's what you've got to see, even if you've got like a flat paddock and a hill, if that's what you've got to set up a field shoot, man, it can be done. Like he proved it works and it was fun. And yeah, I really, you know, same targets, you go back and he, I think he painted them and then you go back and there's different props and you shoot at the targets in different yeah. orders. And that was yeah. very cool. I, I think it was, uh, I was talking to somebody recently about, um, we're talking about some um, event design basically and going, yeah, sometimes simple is actually all it needs to be because people shooting it are going to make it complex enough in their heads anyway i mean we all know you can have a relatively simple stage doesn't mean it's super simple to shoot you know it just might be yeah so yeah a very good event yeah a shame uh yeah it's gone shame the uh the fuds ruined that one but anyway um uh yeah. the fuds uh another thing that it reminded me of i was talking to um another diversion but they're all they're all related in some way was um, it was a great for me? It was a great event for our squad management because I happened to get squatted up with a group of guys that were all pistol shooters. So we started running it exactly like we would squad internal as we would for a pistol shoot. So we had the guy um, shooting, we had the guy on the line, and we had the guy in the uh, what we call in the hole. We lost video, Graham. Oh well. Yeah. So so everybody. Yeah, that's right. And then we had the RO match taker. So the person getting ready to shoot when the first person was done, came off the line, was ready to go. There was no yeah. mucking around going, what's the stage? What am I meant to be shooting? And we actually spent a lot of our time sitting on our asses chatting because we just got all the stages done so quickly and we're moving on and just waiting for people to move through. So That's a good point. I shot yeah. pistol years back. Say years back. I'm not that old, but. Surely it would have been cowboy action shooting. Surely, of course it was me, cowboy action was. shooting. Of course it was. <laughs> it's the only three gun you can do now. <laughs> um, no, so this is this is uh, it's one of the few many... disciplines you can shoot from the hip as well, by my understanding. Yes, and yeah. so before I so first got into yes. firearms, it was like military stuff, and then it was cowboy, and then and then here we are. Now. Uh, what but, what was your nickname, Graham? I don't actually remember. Yeah. Oh. No, I don't. I wasn't very good, so I can't have anything cool. <laughs> um, but I, I never, I um, I, yeah, I just I competed uh, not every every time, but I was, I, I, did, I did a bit of it for about a year and a half, two years or something. Yeah, um, but, but you like you just you mentioned though that you'd had I think, from memory you had like a staging area that's where you took your firearms to, yeah. and you had and then you loaded them, and then they got staged. Um, so it's a tube mag full sort of thing. Yeah, and then um, I, and I believe at that point you're allowed to have loaded cylinders and holstered pistols. I could have this way wrong, yes. no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, obviously, with a six shooter, um, six cylinder was clear, so the hammer yep. was dropped on a hammer clear cylinder. Yep. Um, and then you waited there, and then as soon as the previous shooter finished, they pick up their brass um, from the lever guns, and then you would be up and you would be shooting. Actually, now that I've never even thought about it, it's a great example of how we should be um, moving through stages in our own events. Um, yep, and we we just rotated the roles, so it was it was great, you know. And the person waiting knew that they were expected. You know, we all we all it almost became a challenge. How efficiently can we get through this stage? The shooting, not rushed. I'm not saying we were rushing the actual shooting, but it was like let's let's get it done. Sweet, sit, let's chat. How's it going? 
all the yeah. deck chairs came out. So well, this this is the thing though. Like some of these events, it ends up being a long day. Like you're having fun. You're like, man, it's great. I love it. I love it. Been for this all year. But the more efficiently you can move through it, the earlier you finish, the less fatigued you are, especially for those last one or two stages. Mm. If you're not burning up all your energy waiting around in the hot sun and trying to find stuff in your backpack, and then all that rubbish, um, man, I'm yeah. Like we should uh, RTD. Um, uh, six, five, four, five weeks ago. Yeah, both days ran really smooth, really fast. We had next to no slow squads. We, you know, so we had a few ROs that helped um, move things along. But well, just finishing a bit early is so nice, especially for match organisation. Yeah, I, it's one thing I guess is the like for a lot of the pistol or three gun everything like that. You have ROs and you have people who are basically there just pushing people through. You know, they're like match fluffers or something they're just keeping it all happening you know getting everything ready but yeah but so they're, they're kind I'm of the match the whole, fluffer you're the match fl- yeah the official match fluffer um <laughs> keeping everything yeah just pushing on through so it's like yeah it, it, it's it is a good way of doing things because you're right i mean it's we're, we're there to shoot we're enjoying the shooting we're enjoying the shooting bits of it but yeah it can just be that mucking around in between that can get a little bit long in the tooth so yeah and i actually remember from memory cast sorry cowboy action shooting I think it was only two or three hours and would be done normally. Like yeah. It wasn't a huge drawn-out day. Um, and you could have high numbers too. I know of pistol shooting, you have a lot of people turn up to get through these events. And some of them where you've only got three or four ranges running at the same time, there's actually a lot of people push through the stages. And, I mean, pistol shooting, I think it's time conscious too. So you you, you do your score and your time. Oh, yeah. I yep. think so. Yeah, again, yeah. I've been out of the world for a long time, so... Yep. Guys are trying to go as fast as they safely can. And I mean, it's yep. a pistol race. It's a big backstop and you're close yeah. to the targets. Um, but yeah, so it's advantageous for them to move quickly. Um, yeah, uh, something. Mm, interesting. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, so yeah, suppressors. So moving on to... Um, well, they're all, they're all hot topics all the time. Bipods. Oh, bipods. Oh, bipods. So uh, I picked up a super cow, an Atlas super cow recently. I've, I've gone seen that. Through, I know. I've gone through a lot of bipods over the years. Some have been ridiculous. Some have been useless. Some have been great for light weight hunting, but break and all sorts of things. So anyway, so at the moment I'm kind of, the, the goal is eventually to get everything down to arc, everything on Arca Swiss mounting, which is the other part of this conversation, and just having one bipod to rule them all. Because I'm almost at the point now, if I want for a comp side of things is one thing, for a hunting side of things, I don't know if I'm going to take bipods out. I'm, I'm possibly going to either throw it over a backpack because I've got a backpack on me. I've got my day pack with me and, and do it that way. Um, or, which is another part of the conversation, is I may end up with a hunting rifle with Arca Swiss on the bottom mm-hmm. because I have a tripod with me anyway. Yeah. Yep. And that's the other way I'm thinking of. It's like if I need a supported shot, I'll take my camera tripod because I have a camera and just play that game instead. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, the Arca thing is becoming like if a new chassis comes out with that Arca, it's kind of like, why wouldn't you? Yeah, Unless it's a budget conscious chassis. I mean, budget conscious chassis. It's, it's conscious like chassis it's, is more, less machining. It's like putting a, a flat rail on a chassis gun. Yeah, yeah, I know. yeah. Well, well, they stop. <laughs> um, but yes, um, I've 
Bipod's one of those things for me that I, I really love all the, the latest ones, but I always I always know I can get by with my older one, mm. if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. um, so at the moment, I've got in on a sort of long-term um, loan as one of the GRS, GRS bipods, which are cool, big, heavy-duty yep. ones, but it's a spigot mount, so I'd have to put the spigot mount onto my other system. So at the moment, that just stays on the, on the GRS stock. So it's um, it's a spigot mount, but that one you can also mount on the rail on top. Is that right? Is that the so GR- it's got a it? it comes with a spigot mount. Yeah. So you can either spigot mount it if you've got a spigot, or you can go yeah. a, a, a pick underneath. Um, a, yeah. So it's got a, a oh, I'm missing words. It's a spigot with a pick clamp on it. Oh, okay. So you, so you clamp that onto your either underneath or yeah. on top. Ideally right. on top, get that center of gravity. Yeah, out of the way, and then um, go from there. So you can use it either way. Um, that's a, that's a bit of a behemoth. It's probably bigger than I'd. Well, I did run it in a competition. I did. It's probably a little bit bigger than I'd like to run in a competition. Um, it's, for me, it's more of a prone. Um, mm. well, for the field matches, I think it's just a bit big. But no, no, I shouldn't say it. It worked fine. I didn't have an issue with it, but. And then my other main one, although it's getting extremely dated now, but at the time it was hot shit, was the um, Atlas, not Atlas, Attack S5. Yep. It's the one yeah. you recommended. You're like, this yeah. is one people should buy. So I bought that one many moons ago, probably about four years ago. And then um, And at the time I was, yes. <laughs> yeah. That was and they were they were the they were the coolest thing, man. And yeah. Um bipod um, is one of those things that every other year it's just moving so quickly and they're getting so much better. The, the last couple of years, it's just been a bipod fest, you know? Yeah, and which is cool. Uh, it, uh, yeah, yeah. And like I think back I, then, Arca was like, what the frick's Arca? Yeah. And then yep. you, you move forward three or four years and you're like, shit, why is this not Arca? But um, but I think like you you said as well, is there's new, there is the bipods coming out and you look at them, some of the ones overseas that we don't even get down here and, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But then... Yeah, is my current bipod really not so back? It's back to a lot of it is a speed thing, and you can look at it and go, yes, theoretically, intellectually, I can see that it's quicker to do it that way, but that is not what's actually slowing me down. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you're not <laughs> it's, wrong. It's, you know, so yes, nice to have. Not going to argue about it, but I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm stopping as much as I used to. I still do it a bit, but I'm stopping chasing the latest and greatest. Having just bought a brand new bipod, I realized, but that was, you know, that was gone from the 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 Atlas, the original one of the original Atlases, which I never know. Everyone used to always complain about the Atlas that um, the legs rotated. That was a big thing. I know. Well, I never noticed because I've always had spikes on them. Yeah. So I dig in, and the things could rotate. I ne- I realized it took me a while to figure out, but I guess if you've got rubber feet on it, yeah, if they, they could twist, but I always, I was spiking it. So it, it didn't rotate on me, mm. but um, you know, the, the fusion, the vertebrae fusion oh, yeah. that I got, cool. which is, which is now um, available as one of the Spartan, it's a Spartan Valhalla. Mm-hmm. So there's an updated version that um, Kenneth, who was the designer of the, the fusion has obviously done and worked with Spartan. So there's an upgraded version of that. Um, really got me into that idea of the, the dropping that center of gravity down. And a lot of the spigot units do that. That's part of the yep. idea of that spigot. So, yeah, I think next build, I still like the idea of like the, the KRG um, 
x-rays or whiskey. I think the Bravo might do it. I don't know if the Bravo does it, where they can have the extended um, mount yep. out the front. Although I think it would be now Arca Swiss rather than a spigot and like the, the Atlas cowl and now the super cowl is just that, again, that that design where you're dropping that center of gravity a bit. Yeah. Um, the super cowl is big though. It is big. Oh, it's the big, it's the bigger tube. It's designed for the 50 cowl. It's like the similar as the, their other one, the 5H, which is designed for 50 cows. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if I, uh, you know, I had the 50 cal Accutac for a play here for a while as well. And yes, it was awesome and solid. And it was like bolting one of those big F class um, front rest things on on your gun. So, yeah, um, I wouldn't mind getting a four. Now, this is purely for my match gun. Uh, I wouldn't mind a um, an MDT uh, Skypod. I wouldn't, but a lot of cash. Um, I might say I'm just bludge. I think Joel's got one. I'm not saying I'm going to borrow it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I do see some advantage to yeah being able to quickly deploy bipods or, or change yeah. your position. But, you know, when, well, the, when you're trying to move fast. Yeah, I was watching a, a comparison today of the of it was a one sided it was a one sided comparison because it was paid for by MTT basically. So you're like, well, how? But whatever. But you could see, yeah, the speed deploy, the way that the legs you just pull out does make sense. The quick collapse of it does make sense mm. as well. And I guess you're weighing up that versus the lower center of gravity, which in theory is why you've got a bipod on there is the stability. So you kind of speed yeah. stability, you know. So yeah, um, I don't know, man. I'd love all of the things like the what is it? I, I was hoping Ian was going to pop on because he's they, they he runs that um, design uh, elite, which has got elite iron. Elite iron. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So which is like a, the best bipod in the world, according to Frank Gully. Well, it's a that's got a full circle around the entire barrel chassis. You can pretty much run the gun upside down or yeah, an angle. Big, big, yeah. big roller bearing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's almost taken that notion of angle adjustment to whatever. When you know, so yeah, yep. But uh, what I would suggest again, and every time I see them turn up on a guy's rifle if he's at a course or something, is um, the Harris is the the actual Harris fine it's all good people love to bag them but they're still fine the cheap chinese rips not always so fine some of them are terrible and the version which has got those damn near auto retracting stupid leggy things the hunting version are, are horrific yeah just so, run a backpack instead of those yeah so they're they're horrible get something of notch the notch leg harris version at least um yeah so yeah but yeah it's a lot of personal preference in it, um, but are you you running you the medium to long size bipods rather yep. than yeah because yep. don't, don't like short bipods no nah. especially I'm, I find with chassis now because you have got a pistol grip or that design you just can't get high enough on them well and there's this whole ridiculous go as low as you can rubbish that I still yep. see people doing like it's just mushing them uncomfortably pushing their chest into the ground and trying to get you know and then the little bipod and their scopes as low as it possibly can be for some unbeknown reason and um and i i, I, I have talk a about four, but yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah cool and they, but i don't know why they've done it no i've just that's, done it yeah and yeah and um uh and then i'll just say man just bring your chest up you know <laughs> let yourself breathe and get the legs of the bipod out get comfortable um, instead of well, straining yourself in. 
again, we're going to refer back to Frank again, but I mean, as he says, it's like, which I sort of agree with a slightly different system, but watching kids watching TV, because I've got two little kids and they'll lie down on the ground and they'll sit with their, their, their chin and their hands sort of thing lying on the ground and they can sit there for an hour or two doing it. Yep. So you're like, yeah, they can breathe. They've got bone support. It's just, but they're not flat down like this. It's a, that's not how our skeletal system works very well. It doesn't at all. Yeah. So, uh, and I know, I, know, I, I think we, we, you may have even said to me, someone said it to me, but I tell people, no one's shooting back at you. Like the army yeah. guys have got to hide, right? Yeah, yeah. No one, like, I get you know, it. You don't want <laughs> someone to shoot you in the face. But it's like, no one's shooting us, man. No, just it doesn't. There's no incoming fire. And okay, okay, there might be a situation in the bush or in a competition or whatever practical way you might have to shoot under something real low. And and we do it and we end up, I oh, shoot Hawkins, which is where you have the butt pad under your shoulder, digs into yep. the ground a bit. Again, we're shooting sixes and six fives, so it's not the end of the world doing this. But um, but for the most part, I'm a big believer in yeah, get your chest off the ground a little bit, not off, you know, just in front of it, and yeah, just breathing. <laughs> That's the key. Yeah, just breathing. Actually, it was before I tell people before we're going to talk about natural respir- respiratory pause or any of that. Just keep breathing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't hold your breath. Oh, for, for a long time, one of my issues, and I, I guess I still lapse, um, was stopping breathing, you know? Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, yeah, it's not breathe even... In, and then you breathe out, and then when you should be taking a shot, and okay, no, it's, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'm going to get that perfect. Okay, now yeah. it's perfect. But I've been... And I've stopped breathing for a second and a half or two seconds or four seconds. And it's, oh, I've got to, I've got to breathe. I've got to have oxygen. Yeah. You know, feeding my eyes and my brain and making me... Um, Take a bit of shot, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, well, that, and that's one of my issues. Interesting uh, fact, we'll call it a fact, is that most people, when they're doing the old uh, death scroll through these things, right? Yeah. Insta, Facebook, whatever it is, they're not breathing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so keep that in the back of your head next time you do it as well. And I do yeah, it no, sometimes. You'll scroll through, and then at the end, you'll stop and go, I didn't actually breathe <laughs> for the last 10, 20 seconds because you're just so focused on it. It's, it's, I, I had it pointed out and then became aware of it. And you're like, holy hell, it's right. Where people, anyone listening, just tuck it away in the back of your head. And one day you'll catch yourself and you'll realize you haven't actually been breathing while scrolling through your phone. Um, yeah. That's so, not good at all. It's not good at all. No, it's not. No. It's almost like bad for us. So, yeah. So, um, okay. So, bipods, tick. We're going to go that. A lot of it's personal preference. You spend the money. You spend how much on a gun. Don't go cheap. Don't go cheap on any of the other stuff. You don't have to go. I used to get criticized about telling people, you know, apparently I was trying to tell people you had to go buy an expensive bipod, otherwise you're going to shoot like shit. And it's not the case, you know, but yeah. Anyway. All right. So bipods, tick. Tripods. We talk a fair bit about tripods anyway, because, you know, they're the latest, greatest, hottest thing. Mm. Um have you? I was doing it last week. Actually, I mucked around with using the tripod as a bipod, and I don't think for speed of deployment, it's ever going to replace my bipod. Um, but is is a tripod becoming a mainstay for you for your shooting for appropriate events? I have one. I've got a, uh, a section twenty two. One of his ones from Mister Blair, our friend Blair. Um, I have it with me most of the time in my truck um, when I'm going here, there, and everywhere for different types of shooting. It doubles as my um, stand for a spotter. 
Yeah, obviously. And um, it's Arca, so I can then clip the uh, whatever system on that's running Arca. Um, I practice it. I practice it a little bit, um, but for the most part, I'm shooting, uh, especially in a low position. It will be bipod mm. and bag, um, purely for deployment times and practicality. Yeah, um, I, to be honest, I haven't actually really seriously played with it as a you know having it super low. Um, as like a bipod replacement, I guess technically rear bag replacement too. Um, yeah, yeah I don't well, know if you I'll can get float there. it. Well, again, on a rail, you can put it up the front and then still put your rear bag on the back. And I mean, True. it doesn't move. It's that's as bad as stable as you're ever going to get. But um, I suppose if you had time, but yeah, yeah, it's just practicality for me. Um, yeah, yeah if, if there's a competition that allowed pre setup. Hmm. And gave me all the time in the world. Okay, yeah, maybe I'll I'll, I'll fuck around with it, but um, because of my direction of sort of my events and the events I compete in, um, it's it's not practical. Yeah, um, uh, I, I actually seen and again this again not practical for me, but um, is it Chris Way? It might have been Chris Way. Does he? Is his Instagram gun around the sun? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he follows me by the way, which I thought was strange. Um. Of my very small Instagram following, um, shooting on snow, so using the tripod deployed super low in a bipod type roll, oh, yeah, because it's got a big, it's like a big yeah, snowshoe. Big, yeah, there was a bit of a, there was they were in a bit of a, a low, and there's a big snow. I guess you call it a drift. Yeah, and it's it's a couple of feet deep, so you can't deploy a bipod in it. Possibly you could put your backpack down and use that, but then your backpack's going to be mm. in the cold, wet, and you got to put it back in your back. So they deploy the tripod super flat and a surface area is big enough to support the gun and he's then able to um, take accurate shots, which I thought was really interesting. Um, again, is that going to happen to me? More than likely not. Um, but but it, it was something they were doing um, in those sort of uh, well, Central American states. Yeah, and I've seen some photos of guys in the hills and stuff where they've got, you know, one leg extended down, two legs opened up, sitting on a on a hillside and one long leg and these really yep. whacked up positions. And, you know, part of me wonders how much of it is a setup for the photograph because it's pretty, you know, tactical. Talk about the photo, Kerry. It's a pretty awesome looking photo. Um, but then last time I was in the Kaimanawas, we came across a spot that is basically the perfect overwatch spot for a lack of a better term, where I was like, you know, I could put a, tripod on here set the gun down on it, have a coffee sit here for an hour and just wait for something to walk past and it just seemed like it was like i can actually see how that could work quite as quite a nice system you know yeah. um but i think it's it's just the weight it's a weight I mean, yeah it'll be a, a balance of that of the weight if you're flying like you say if you're going say commando is in the top so you and you're flying in and yeah. you've got the room okay because maybe you're not going to be you can be shooting off the tops and shooting down. Again, I don't have any experience doing this. So this yeah. is theorizing. And then you do shoot something. So you leave tripod up top of the hill anyway. And most of your gear, you, you, you go down to minimum gear for recovery. Mm. Um, okay, yeah, I could see some some advantage to it. Um, but if I've got to walk anywhere significant, um, I'm considering even just leaving my bipod at home, you know, in favor yeah. of a day pack. So, yeah. Um, although a good friend of mine, Mark, the other half of the Precision Unloaded podcast, he um, always takes, he's got those trigger sticks. Um, yep. It, they go everywhere with them. I wouldn't be surprised if they're next to his bed at night. You know, they're, um, yeah, they're his best friend. He, he even got an attachment to run his, um, uh, his spotting scope on them now. Mm-hmm. So he's pretty, pretty stoked with himself. But 
I think that's he does use it all the time. I think that's the thing of a tripod. If you're looking at, you know, you've got a camera, you want to put your camera on it. Maybe you've got a spotting scope, you put the spotting scope on it. For me, if I've been camping, I've used my tripod as a um, pole for the fly. So, uh, you know, I think if you're... If you're thinking about it and using it in a multi multi use facility method, whatever it is, well then you start going, okay, well we can see how the weight could be useful for that as well. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's something I've been pondering anyway. But yeah, I'm very aware of building a competition weight rig to go hunting with because that would annoy me quite quickly. You know, I don't yeah. I don't have a drive to have a super lightweight rig, but I'm not a behemoth of a man that can walk around with a 10 kg gun in the bush you know it ain't gonna happen so no well yeah and yeah yeah different different tool different job yeah yeah um so uh on the support side of things i see your assignment as well you're running a new rule in regards to rear bag size one one rear bag so for hunter class now it's a small he used to coin the term grapefruit size, but now it's just 150 by 150 millimeter. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, I, we don't care if it's a little flatter and a little longer, you know, as yeah, long yeah. as it's in the spirit. And then for practical class, it's the same. Um, it's one small bag. So yeah. So you want it to be a bag for shooting um, uh, supported positional, so off a, a, a prop or a stick or a tree or whatever. Um, and then it's also got to double as your rear bag. Um, yeah. And so that's practical class only. So is the one does the one fifty is that going to fit like a, a mini fortune cookie or a any anything pint with, size? Anything with a groove or yeah. others is not okay allowed. Yeah. So that's open class. So you're discriminating so, against cows now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Especially female ones. Yeah. Milk producing. Backbone, yeah, backbone of uh, backbone of the economy. Rural, sorry, of ruin, yeah, rural economy. I've been not saying it too loud. My wife will hear me. Yeah, I was thinking we used. She'll yeah. kick me off the range. Um, no, it's just it's just that way because um, I mean, it's you actually. I, I'm I'm seeing a trend backwards in bags in, in America from what I I see yeah. as well. Um, the day days are gone of of the you know, 30 bags. Um, now, if, if it's an open class event or I'm shooting open class on the second day or someone else to shoot, I'll take several bags. I'll have a little wee bag. I'll have a medium one and I'll have like a, a, a game changer type prop bag because um, I can, right? Um, but again, no, nothing nothing crazy. But yeah, for practical, which is um, we like to keep it simple and yeah, sort of streamlined. Um, and, and so, you know, there's that prop You've got your small bag, that's it. Make yeah. it work. And if you but if you've got the gear and you've got the tripods, yeah, you can you can shoot open if you want. Um very similar course fire, sometimes a different round count and different time limits, but and then you can shoot with whatever you want, um, mm. as long as you're willing to carry it. Well, I was talking to somebody recently, and again it came up about yeah, equipment limitations. I'm like, well, open class, let them carry whatever they want, but just force them to carry it. That's the difference. And, that, know, that is can, the thing. Can, that's fine. That's good. Guys, myself included, like all the 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 toys and widgets and everything. Although, same thing, I've kind of gone from uh, you know, I had a full size game changer which I carried up that hill at um Torado once. Mm. And then now gone and I've got a Schmedium at the moment. And yeah, I really think a pint size game changer or the mini fortune cooker, which is basically, yeah, rear bag or or barricade bag, even for open. I'm like, 
you used to watch photos or videos of guys in the States where they've got like two of the pump pillows on each side, you know, um, carabined to their belt and it's swinging all over the place. And it's just like, oh, yeah. Okay. So, like, the first bag I bought, I bought off you. It's not in my office. It's Armageddon Gear one. It's about maybe that bird. Pump pillow. And, yep. And yeah, like, it's not, not quite a pillow. It's only about that tall, though. It's like a big rear bag. It's the pump. It is the pump. Cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Unless but it's what I'd do is pump I'd, yeah. I'd, 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 if I was shooting like a off a barricade, I'd, I'd put it under my elbow on yeah. my knee if I, I couldn't yeah. um, do it. So we've well, just, we haven't. We don't see a lot of bags used that way as much in New Zealand. Whereas that's what they those pump pillows and they were designed to fill in the void between arms or under the knees mm-hmm. or stuff like that. Not on the barricades themselves. That's why they're yeah. the lightweight, fluffy things. Yeah. So because I'm I'm quite a fan of lighter bags. Yeah. Um, did did you hear at a recent uh, rifles only event on the second day? Jacob banned every single rear, all rear bags. I and like that. Was, that was interesting because someone turned up with one of the numero uno bags from Armageddon Gear, which is basically a bean bag. Yeah. And proceeded to take the piss, which, okay, rules are there. They, they could take the piss. So Jacob took the piss equally and said, second day, no, no rear bags. This is the thing, though. It's equal for everyone, isn't it? Like exactly. It's yeah. Like, oh man, but that's what I shoot with. It's like yeah, well, so everyone shoots with a bag, so now it's yeah. out for everyone. Like yeah. I sometimes I'll forget a bag and I'll just be mucking around, so I'll just use a fist or I'll or I'll shoot off over something. Just I'll chuck my bloody arca rail straight on the wood. I don't care. Well, I, I, from what I remember, they the scores weren't really any worse the next day either. I think mm. they even had some better scores from people because. Yeah, they weren't relying on the bags. They had to pay attention. Yeah, so. yeah. I think because you hear it again, but a lot of that stuff over there seems to be like there's a prop. Put my game changer on it. Shoot stage. Next stage. Yeah. There's a prop because the flat ranges they have to use props and, and etc. But um, yeah, I, I think yeah, we can make cool ways to to challenge the shooter. Um, mm. and hopefully at least they come out maybe not better. But thinking about getting better, yeah, um, yeah. So leading leading on from that as well. I mean, do you take a you take a rear bag out when you're hunting? Uh, Depending, sometimes. Yeah. yeah, So I'll usually have my raincoat balled up as far as it goes, and I'll just use that. But if I'm shooting easier access, i.e., vehicle most of the way, um, I'll sometimes have um, something lightweight clipped on my backpack. I mean, I, I always explain to people when we're talking about the use of rear bags that they started really as a proxy for the fist or for a rolled up that or the day pack if you've got a day pack. Well, if you've got a backpack on your back, you've got yourself a, a bag already, you know, it, there's things you can use. Um, but, they, yeah, they just became the optimised gaming version of a rolled, rolled up uh, jacket really, you know. Yeah. So so I could I could like, okay, my range, my target I shoot all the time. Yeah, like I say, just say 400 meters. I'm pretty confidently take that shot prone, yep. no pressure, without a rear bag, um, with like one of my match guns. On. I'm not going to be too concerned. Well, but it's we, prone. We, I did what I do with the guys if they're out for a course as well. We do the drill, which is one that um, Kalen does, or I learned via him, which is yeah, no rear bag, and basically forming that bridge up in your in your position, getting that bridge nice and solid. Other hand is over floating over here. So there's no hand at the back at all. Ooh. And just and what it does is two things. One, people shoot better than they realize. 
So they're like, I don't actually, you don't need a rear bag. A rear bag is meant to supplement and add to your shooting, not replace the fact that you can shoot. Um, but the other thing, what it does is it really it makes you aware of your breathing cycles because you can yep. actually see the breathing a, a yeah, lot in the reticle. And it's good for training going, well, get your natural point of aim where your breath is down of that natural pause. You're going to breathe in, you're going to watch it come back, you know, down, you know, breathe and it's going to bring it down. Yeah, bring it down and it'll come back up and then that's when you're breaking your shot. So it's a good way to also get people to learn that, you know, natural point of aim, respiratory report, everything wound up. So again, I encourage everybody, if you've always shot with a rear bag, put the rear bag aside, put your hand down next to it, get your position sorted. If you're lo loading the bipod correctly, then the gun's going to sit there naturally, nicely, and take a couple of shots. And you might surprise yourself how how well you can shoot without a rear bag yeah. full stop. Actually, that, that practicing without it thing is a good point because you might find yourself hunting or whatever in a situation where you've got to take a shot that's not 100 metres and shit, I've lost my rear bag or I forgot my rear bag or my backpack's way down the hill when I've got 10 seconds to take the shot. Um, so being able to do it, yeah, it's definitely a good thing. I think, I think a lot of the extra supports we've got are a time and opportunity thing but we should be able to get away without them. Well, that's, that's one thing. So point. The, the, the tripod thing. So we, we get a little bit of grief still because tripods to be set up inside your time. Mm. And so some day, we, oh, you know, I wish I'd have more time so I could set up my tripod. But it's like, well, well no, here's, that's, here's the situation. Here's the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is a situation you need to hit these steel plates in this yep. amount of time. It's like, okay, but I want all this time to set up my tripod. And, and, and our rule is stowed. They have to be legs. Yeah. Claps. Yep. Um, in a stowed. Now it can be. Doesn't have to be in your backpack, but it's just has to be in a carried form. Um, yeah. And sometimes we were nice enough to give one stage with a bit of time at Tarada. I got a compliment on that. Uh, Tarada, <laughs> uh, TD. But, but yeah, it's just. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't like the, it, I don't like the pre-deployed tripods. No, no, no. And I, I think it's fair that if you want to use a tripod, then you practice deploying it. Don't just practice shooting off it, practice deploying it. Oh, yeah. I've been planning on drawing uh, different colored reference lines on mine for like a, a standing yeah. supported yep. shot and a kneeling. So in competition, say I'm shooting someone else's comp, okay, this is going to be a kneeling shot. Okay, go to the green lines. And that gets me within Kiwi of yep. where I need to be. So it's like instead of, oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I well, I, I've, I've got a reference. If I loosen the leg, pull it, and got the knurled with my finger, there's a reference point there. There's a reference point yep. there. So that's I get the lines. Um, but yeah, I've also you've just gone through and realised. Yeah, if I just drop that leg, well, that's my perfect seating position. Works out nice for me. If I want that extra bit for it, yeah. So mm, that's a good idea. But again, it's just yeah, practicing beforehand. Everyone just wants to practice the shooting bit where the gun goes bang. But there's a lot of other stuff you can actually practice around it. And that is a good thing for urban-based folks. Yeah. Or, yeah, you can practice that in your garage or your lounge. <laughs> it's as exciting as it is, me sitting in the lounge practicing deploying my tripod. Yeah, uh, yeah you can do it. <laughs> I practice, and I, I practice it with shooting, but I practice um, getting up from a prone position, quickly turning around and running backwards. Yep. Because everyone can run for the most part, but... <laughs> But people like getting up off the ground quickly. We're not kids, you know. We're not <laughs> jumping around like we used to. So I was, I was doing that and turning around and make you know not falling over and um, yes. Then I'd yeah. run back and then just come and do one shot. 
That's it. I, I watch my my two little girls. I'm lying down practicing dry fire prone or something. They'll come just down, kneel next to me, and just flop down. And the way that kids still can flop their bum down between their feet while they're kneeling or sitting, it's just like, oh, once yeah. upon a time I could do that. And then I had to, for a few years, had to stretch a lot to maintain that. And now it just hurts me even yeah. thinking about it. So, but yeah. So yeah, that's it's a completely unrelated thing is, yeah, lads, another thing that helps is doing some regular stretching. Um, and I'm still waiting for Kaylin's uh, promised uh, yoga course for uh, shooters. So, so I've, I've been waiting for that also. Actually. Yeah, um, I said to him, it's actually once guys get past that, we're doing yoga. It's like, yeah, that'll actually improve and help a lot of people for their hunting and for their shooting. Also, not just I shouldn't tell people this. I've been doing a little bit of yoga with my lovely wife Phoebe, and oh god, I'm gonna get wound up about this. Because I've been trying to See, get my- The funny thing is, you will, if I say I won't get wound up as much for it, because, yes, yeah, so, you know. Yeah, um, I think I told Simon, <laughs> and that's it. Um, I haven't, yeah, but no. He's the got a personal being, trainer, so what he's doing stretching regularly <laughs> as well. So it's like, you know. The reason being that I've been trying to get my head squared away for matches better. I've been putting yeah. a huge, like, if, like, this has, like, gone through the diet and everything. It's trying to do this and that and everything. And I think I'm getting there, which is nice. Um, but there was just another. So it was also the, the stretching, uh, helping improve my back a little bit, tense from work, but also just the breathing and the, mm. the I guess you'd call it the zen. Um, I guess the I mindfulness know. is the yeah. word I think you're avoiding. But well, it's because it's too it's, it's the, too it's too hip of a word at the moment. I know, but as a, I was driving to the bike park with my little girl, and I looked over, and her eyes are closed, and she's just breathing. And I'm like, "What are you up to?" She goes, "I'm practicing my mindfulness." <laughs> this is a five year old. Wow. I'm like, "That's wow. good." And uh, but be. hey, I do. I get look. I get up every morning. I do basically some stretches and some yoga. Roll those crusty old legs of mine out to keep them moving and then do some mindfulness practice. So yeah. yeah, it's, you know, yeah, it's just, I think it's just this whole, yeah, it's just, it's right. know I like shooting it's matches all, and so I'm, I'm doing a lot in the background to try and like the shooting has been good. And then I go to a match <laughs> yeah. and the shooting's not good. And so I've been trying to get through all that. And yeah, hey, well, I, I think, I, I think it's working. I'll, I'll line somebody else up and we can have a good old, see if we can have another mindfulness conversation once about <laughs> shooting. Man, if you hadn't told me, I'd be talking about shit like this a few years ago. <laughs> but it's no, but it's it gets. I think I listened to a podcast the other day. It might have been. It might have been Frank talking to um, uh, Chris Way. Chris, but it yeah. was a, or no, it was someone. It wasn't Kalen? Was no, it? no, I mean, no, no. It was. It was an old episode of Modern Day Sniper. Yeah, like, and it was. It was. Um, it was um, Philip talking to. Can't remember the guy's name. It's like episode six, but he's sponsored by MDT and Rady Ra. And he's a top 10 shooter, but he's a military guy, not a sniper, but he's a military guy, infantry or something. And but he just studied sports psychology. And it was a yep. lot of stuff. It was really, really good. Um because I remember when it, when modern day sniper first came out, I was thinking, oh man, there's a lot, not enough about the actual shooting, like the art of pulling the trigger and yeah. watching a trace and a target. And I thought, well, I wonder why they're not. Why they're not talking about that? And it's because the, there's plenty of people talking about that, and and there's plenty of people who can pull the trigger and hit the target, and they've got dope and they've got fundamentals. But you, what's going to separate them, be it in a military role or a or a um, civilian sports shooting role, separate them from those other top twenty or top ten shooters? Is, yeah. 
is the mind game, um, I think. And well, that's remind me. People will hate me for this. Remind me afterwards, and I'll tell you a story about some after conversations I've had with some of the interviews I've done. Yep. Because yeah, it's um, there's yeah. I'll put it this, Kalen, I, when I spoke to him, I found out about the mind, because I said to him an hour, and people can go back and go listen to my interview with, with Kalen, because there's the extras part of it as well, where we basically drop the shooting and just talk about, I think, mindfulness and mm. all that side of it. Um, and he was one of the guys who really first brought it through, but again, his partner is a yoga teacher, and they're seriously looking at doing yoga courses for shooters, you know, and yeah. it's just like, it's yeah. I, I, I years ago there was a guy Scott, not Scott Saddley, Scott Sonnenson, who did tech fit, and at the beginning and end of his military style training courses, he was doing some stretches. Some of them were out of yoga, basically yoga practitioner himself. And I remember him saying, he said, "I'm not teaching you to be a yogi. I am teaching you to have less lower back issues." Mm, yeah. It's like yeah, that's that's basically it. So. Yeah, anyway, that's what you so, this. Yeah. yeah, it's just that they've been doing it for a very long time and then refined it. It's just that it's a bit foreign to our culture because it's a different come from a different culture. Yeah. But then I've done enough martial arts that it's not that weird to me anyway. So anyway, okay. So <clears throat> we got there from rear bags, I think. <laughs> wow, what a twist. <laughs> Uh, so rear bags. So Jacob uh told everyone that they couldn't use rear bags, but they could still use slings. So um, they apparently had a fair, people, fair few people using slings, holding slings, all sorts of stuff. Um, I use a sling to carry my rifle around. Uh, sometimes I strap it onto my backpack. Have you ever mucked around much with shooting in a slung up, basically? Uh, so my sling experience is limited to... I, if I'm shooting unsupported positional, I'll wrap the sling, wrap, tighten it up and go around my arm twice and... and and use my arm to pull it tight. Um, okay. I'm, I'm kind of okay at it. I, I'm probably doing it wrong, to be honest. I've never really... I, I haven't pursued the correct way to do it yet. Now, yeah. I've been watching Simon and Eben and those guys shoot, and they put the sling over themselves in like a semi... How you carry an AR-15 on the yep. front, and then they pull it forward. Push it forward, yeah. Yeah, and, and they're sitting with their legs crossed. I haven't tried that... And I'm going to annoy Simon until he, I'm going to get him to teach me essentially because it what, works. Yeah, on, what on, sling? I don't know what sling Simon's using. What slings uh, do you have? So I think it's a, I think it's a Blue Force gear. Yeah, could, or tab, maybe tab gear. Maybe a tab. Because what happened is they had that that style of sling shooting is someone feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure everyone will anyway. Uh, the modern style of sling shooting is that style and often incorporates the elasticated part of the sling so my armageddon sling for example has got an elastic section so you do that and you load up into it and it becomes very tight mm. um i've which i will do a little bit of but yeah i've never done the off the old hasty sling military style system which i can see the benefit of although time wise is probably the limitations i have and the armageddon has got a quick release clip so you can get in and then get out quickly but yeah. I'd get I'd get myself just tied up in a knot if I was yeah. trying that. It's, yeah, um, it's it's. I think it's an area um, majority of competitors and hunters, um, everybody. Yeah, ex- except maybe like the guys who shoot like full position and service yeah. rifle and stuff. But yeah, it's an area we could all improve. And um, me certainly. And one thing I have been playing with is the um, uh, 
wedging off tripod, the the sling underneath through to the belt. Yeah, um, that is kind of a game changer when it comes to like um, offhand um, supported um, offhand off the tripod. Like tripod's pretty steady, right? But you're still yeah, yeah. you're still you've got a big lever. No matter how tight you got it, you got a big lever. Yeah. Having that loop through, and you just you can push it, use your hips, and it just keeps the front of that gun. Uh, that's that works well. Um, and well, I've, then, I've done a little bit off just straight props too, running it off. Um, yeah, it's it's not going under the prop, but it runs through your belt still. That's well, I know I know Christian and Gary and probably maybe Danny. I'm not so sure. Christian was always a big proponent of using the slings and doing exactly that, strapping into the belt. Mm-hmm. Um, the rigger's belt or the belt loop, and same as Gary with their M10s, basically, yep. as a way of wedging that stuff down. Um, they seem to do okay when they're shooting yeah. well. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, I think that's, and, and I guess that's, a, to be honest, a, a time-related thing. Um, but one thing I have been trying to get better at is slowing down rather than, <laughs> like I used to go and I'd, I'd just shoot as fast as I bloody could because I thought it was, yeah. and make a heap of noise. We're trying to just okay. I've got a, I've got two minutes. I'm going to use a minute fifty of it rather than going. I was doing a minute and rush. It's like shoot, unload it slowly. You know, close it slowly. Get that ninety degree trigger. Set everything up. Um, natural point of aim if you've got time. That is, um, you maybe if you're breaking position, whatever. But it's just yeah, trying to calm that that stage down and, and that comes to, to planning the stage but yeah it's it's making a bit of a difference um just just doing that and but but if you've got the time you can set your sling up and do the same thing and mm. you know maybe instead of getting five hits you get six hits or seven hits and, yep. um, and, and of course the time to figure that out is not on the clock <laughs> no no <laughs> again and, and it's I mean, something it's, that needs needs practicing beforehand but this is another thing you can actually, I mean, you can drive yeah. fire, practice it over yeah. the couch if you yep. have to, or a, or a freaking yep. chair. Um, and I know a lot of people like that, they're like, oh, my practice is competition. This is the only time I get to go shooting. But there, there is dry fire and there is um, bloody step ladder in the shed and, um, and all of that. Well, I, I encourage, and I've said it before on the show, I encourage guys, even if they're not dry firing or aiming or whatever it is, just practice moving your firearm around equipment. Get a get a saw horse or a hobby horse, whatever you call them, and just moving up and down, just practicing that because most guys don't do it. They're not used to it. They're used to putting the gun comfortably down on the range and getting behind it and having, you know, five minutes yeah. to faff around. And yeah. yeah. And also doing that beat in the the safety side of it too. So yes. moving the yep. gun instead of coming out of a prop and going like this. Oh shit, yep. sorry, Kerry. Yeah. Come out like that, and, and, and even your muzzle ends up here. You're like, oh, yeah. and then you go over, yeah. but your muzzle's still four to you. You're not sweeping your mates. You're not sweeping your other competitors. Yeah. When practicing, I've, I've been trying to do this with the bolt closed on target thing. Any practice, any load development, uh, I'm going to exclude hunting a little bit here, um, but it is on dead on target yeah, yep. or, or in the vicinity of the target, I should say. Uh, or moving the rifle, even around the shed, you know, it's um, do it. Um, yeah, do it like you would want to in the real world, or yeah, make just makes like, perfect make, or habits make like or, you're around around people. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's not a it's not something you consciously have to think. Okay, there's people around me. How am I going to safely handle this firearm? You 
pick yeah. it up and you're automatically fingers away from the trigger. You check the chamber, um, there's a flag and et cetera, et cetera. And you know how to move it and it's just subconscious. I mean, you should, I mean, you still got to be aware of what you're doing, but um, you shouldn't have to be scratching your head how am I going to safely move this firearm around people. Well, it's, 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 a, it's related in some ways, but if you go back to the real, real basics of things, rule number one, treat a firearm. Yep, 100%. Like it's loaded. So, yep. and it, it, but it, it, one thing I've been playing with recently is I'm aware, becoming more aware of where my finger actually touches the trigger. Because same thing, it's like there's a few times where I'm still settling into position and I'm kind of starting to stage my finger on the trigger. And I'm like, doesn't it really need to be on there? It's just when I'm ready to break that shot, it can come down. I can, you know, get that 90 degree, everything, not while I'm still kind of just, I'm, I'm, this is the thing. There's a, there's a line, right? It's not waving it around in the air with my finger on it. I'm on looking on the board through my sight and everything, but I'm not on the target. And mm. when I am, that's when I can come forward. Yeah. No, that's that's a good point. I, I think I, I think I find myself doing that too, thinking, you know, why am why am I in the ninety degree trigger position when I'm not? Yeah, I, I could be um, four five seconds away from. Yeah, that, that's what I mean, and it's it's safe in that it's still what you'd call even if it discharged, you're going on the board, you're going on the target, yeah. but everyone has probably had some point where that round has gone off slightly before they wanted it to, and then you got to think, well did I really want it to go off then? Was I still getting ready to take that shot? And maybe if I'd kept my finger out for that little bit longer, it would have been, you know, just that difference. So, yeah. 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 It's just, I guess it's just that conscious confidence in what you're doing. Yes. And yep. and, and the thing with, with uh, like I grew up on a rural environment on firearms. So you had, a, you had some basic safety, but uh, definitely not like what we have now. So mm. I've got years of, these habits ingrained and a lot of kiwis do of um poor muzzle awareness and i'm retraining myself to use a safety i see blunt. i don't i'm i'm I, know. I'm I don't have one in the in the chamber and that's yeah but, i know and, but this is where the, people um they get up americans all the time but you watch them with safeties they're all excellent with safeties with the ones yeah. we see anyway they're yeah of course they're, and they load it safety yeah. off whereas we're yeah. just it's never fucking on yeah. Um, so I, I again, it's just that thing consciously trying to do it, which meant more than once last on Tuesday, I squeezed the trigger or pressed the trigger to the attempted to press the trigger to the rear with the safety still on the firearm, mm. which is always good because it then also starts making you hyper aware of how your trigger press is going and how close to a flinch you actually are sometimes. Yeah. You know. So um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. That's that. I see. I'm not sure if I'll pursue that. For me, no, but it's, um, uh, but, but, it's yeah, not, but it's interesting, and it's, an, it's I should another film layer. it because mm. there's a few times where I'm like, it doesn't go off, and then I go, that was also really a crap trigger press. That yeah. really was. I was chasing a target. I was doing everything I know I shouldn't be doing. So, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, slings. I, I don't know. Same thing. I kind of think there's probably more room for me to use it rather than just a carrying device. Um, Another tool in the tool belt, I guess, is the the notion of it. So yeah, uh, and and they're, they're, I think yeah, they're, they're, there's more to them than people see or, or know how to use. Um, and to get, we've got to get the old service rival fuds out to show us how to use slings, Graham. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, well, it works. Like service rifle, it's not my cup of tea, especially not with a bolt action two D three. Good God, that's not, <laughs> no, I'm sorry, that's not service rifle. 
anyway, it doesn't. Yeah, I know, but no. it's um, but the 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 that um that's that slinged positional shooting is impressive. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think do they use slings in small ball? They do, eh? They sling no yeah. bipod. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, Phoebe, Phoebe does it. I should ask her. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Anyway, um, and um, they've got to shoot tiny things. Talking of which, I, or unrelated, I don't. I assume it's public knowledge. It's not the kind of thing. I can't. I'm just thinking. I can't really see not being public. Has Matt sent you a photo of his latest acquisition? Long time. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Or did you sell it to him? That no, would also surprise me. I've just no. had one out taking photos. It's out of shock because I don't want Facebook to freak out. Because um, he's like, look at this, and I was like, well, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's cool. I like long toms. They're. Um, they're a very underappreciated 303 in New Zealand history. He's been bugged for ages because I've had one and it was the one he needed to sort of complete his collection sort of thing. He's like, who's mm. selling yours? I'm like, you're not having mine. I don't, I've only got one 303. That's it. And I'm, yeah. no, you can't have it. They are so. cool. The one I've got here, it's in very nice condition, matching numbers, which is quite rare for them. Um, yeah. All there, but the barrel, and also the chamber is pretty poked. Um, do you know? Because it's one mine's mine's matching numbers, mm. um, and it's but I don't know if they all did or it's something else. It's got an H on the barrel, so it's the heavy barrel, or was that standard for all of them? I couldn't tell you. And this yeah. is, is it HP barrel or H for home guard? Could be H for home guard. That's I, I, a good point. I don't know. I can ask a guy, but so yeah. most of most of them come back. So we took them to Gallipoli. Yeah. So okay. Oh look, we're back on war. We did this usually every other episode. <laughs> So when we're talking to you, it's what you do, so it's fine. Yeah, you know. Well, I know just a little bit, and, and I can't yeah, yeah. on things. But so when <laughs> we went to Gallipoli, our infantry had the long tom still. Yeah, um, which is a common term for both the early Lee Enfield and Lee Metford. Lee Metford, yeah. same action. One had Metford type rifling, one had Enfield rifling. Okay. Um, so when you get a Lee Enfield, it's a Lee action with an Enfield rifle rifling, and then same with Metford. Uh, Metford burned out pretty quick, so they, they buggered those off. But we had those. We also had like the new Mark, might have been Mark 4 or 5 ammo, could be wrong on the Mark. That was for the SMLEs, the short magazine Lee Enfields, the, the newer gun. So the sights didn't line up right. to the ammunition. So our guys get there and they're shooting at the Turks, thinking, bloody hell, this thing's not shooting very good. Different bullet weight, not sighted in. And also, you know, you slide your um, rear sight for your... Uh, adjustment on distance nothing worked so they weren't very popular once we got there because of the ammunition and they were a bit long now our mounted rifles so <clears throat> we had a thing called the mounted rifles which were troop mounted on horses and the idea is they'd ride into battle get off the horses behind a hill or something and then they'd attack they were sort of like a quick reaction force oh, um, yeah not they didn't, they didn't really attack on horses although the australians did occasionally um they went to Gallipoli with the SMLE. They'd just got the brand new, super high tech short magazine Lee Enfield. Um, so they were pretty jealous. But then what happened is a lot of Australian casualties. So our guys, we just stole, from what I understand, just stole the Australian stuff that was lying around, unfortunately, because, um, you know, um, and we, I think soon, not long into the battle, we weren't using any long toms. And they were sent back to New Zealand. I believe they might have been stripped into bits and not mm -hmm. not kept in like a pile of this is gun A, this is B. Yeah. It was just literally like and so a lot were reassembled willy-nilly. So you a lot will have a different bolt 
Yeah, um, yeah. So I don't believe the one I have here went to Gallipoli due to that. But then, mm, okay. <clears throat> so then, by this point, they're becoming an obsolete rifle. And obsolete yeah. doesn't mean it doesn't work; it just means it's not the best. And so, when World War Two came around, and uh, the Japanese invasion threat became really real, all these things, sort of training rifles, they got pushed back into use with the Home Guard. Um, for potential Japanese invasion. So a lot were marked home guard. And some even yeah. have, um, I believe most of the regions actually, um, even down to like small towns, so you can track down what specific part of the home guard they were in. There should be markings on them sometimes. Okay. I'll double so check. I mean, I you yeah. might have seen the photo. I've got the name, I think, of the owner on a bit of That's paper cool. at the back of it. Because um, it would have been sold to civilian after yeah. World War II. Yeah, yeah, So, no, under the, I don't know, the section you call it, it sits almost on the back of the rifle on the top, that small bit of wood about yay big mm-hmm. that can just pull off. Under there, yeah. mine's got an H stamp on it. And yeah. I thought, I believe some of them had heavy barrels put on them, but it could be home guard as well. I don't they, know. They may have, again, I know just yeah. enough about infields. Yeah. And leads to be... Just dangerous enough. Just dangerous. So that no, well, dangerous people think, yeah, people like he know, I think he knows what he's talking about, but I, I, yeah. I'm probably saying things a bit wrong. But um, you, maybe they they did post war um barrel replacements for um civilian marksmanship programs. Maybe maybe um, I, I certainly the SMLEs were um used for civilian marksmanship. So yeah, so we got there via slings. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> well, they have slings on them. They do have sling. I don't have the just original leather, size. Leather. No, the one I've got here doesn't. But um, no, I had my one out originally. Yeah, and I saw that it's got the pass. Like, oh, maybe I should. Yeah, I should look for a sling for it. But I, it doesn't. Anyway, um, so uh, on carry equipment. So backpacks, your uh, favorite topic at the I moment. I wish I had my backpack in here, but yeah, well, you could. I guess you could actually show a backpack on Facebook, and hopefully, we wouldn't get booted off the live side of things. Um, you never know. <clears throat> Um, but yeah, backpacks and also I go, I suppose in there, I've been playing around with backpacks and the, the belt, the battle belt idea. So stuff mm-hmm. on my hip and also a little bit playing with the front pack, the bino packs as well, which, um, I don't know if you played with, but anyway, backpacks, we'll start with backpacks. Uh, uh, so, oh, not pre Tirada. No, how to, this last season anyway, I've, no, it was Tirada. I've, I've, and, and every other match before, I'd have a bit, just a, my 25-litre Stony Creek hunting backpack. And yep. I'd, so you've got, it doesn't have a lot of external pockets, so you've got like, you got, you know, two or three litres of water, you've got a raincoat, you've got um, a little bit of first aid and medical equipment, you've got food, you've got 100 rounds of ammo stuffed in there, you've got chamber flags, admin, rangefinders, junk everywhere, right? Binos. So between stages... And they've got empty brass, so it's all getting thrown in the bag. And between stages, you to open the bag right up, take everything out. Pull everything out, yeah. And it was one less, everything fit, right? But it was one less thing for me to be worrying about and um, try to keep things dry, etc. So, yeah, um, and, and this plays back to my whole um, being mentally prepared for a stage and mm. making a plan and being calm. So, okay, I want to eliminate that, that stress. Uh, albeit a minor stress, but still something you're thinking about that doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't. Yep. It shouldn't matter. So yeah, Blair. Talk to Blair. He gets in these bags and they unfold. And there's internal mesh pockets and heaps of molly options. And so we we built 
this bag, oh, I love it. Phoebe always gone about it. But it's a system, right? It's got loaded magazine pouch. You know, it'll take 140-odd rounds in um, wallets. And then yep. under that, there's a pouch with a drawstring for empty brass. So it all goes in its spot. And then on the front, we've got an admin pouch, which has a pouch for the kest- uh, <coughs> slot for the kestrel, slot for fix-it sticks, slot for a spare mag. And then I've got, you know, a few spare bits and pieces in there. Then I've got bino pouch. And, and on the front of the bino and the admin, there's slots for pens. So I've got vivids and, and spare pens because you bloody... Box of crowns. Yeah, we, you know, you, you think, oh, where do I put the pen? Oh, it's in the bottom of the bag. So yeah, the start of the match, at the end of the match, they would have been thieved by everyone, but I'll have spare pens. And, <laughs> and then on the other side, I've got a slot for a tripod if need be. And um, so everything's got a spot. I've got an internal pouch for snacks, place for water, um, a pouch for uh, just a few odds and sods, like lens cleaning and um, sunblock. And um, so if I need anything now, it's just, it's two seconds and I've got it and it's put away and it's secure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I'm not chasing my tail. Um, trying to, trying to unload a backpack full of junk on the side of a hill when the wind's blowing and everything's, you know, flying off down. The Where is it? I'm sure I put it in here somewhere. And yeah, man. It's down I, the I bottom of the pack and people just don't seem to care about my backpack, but God, it is <laughs> making a difference. Right, oh, just, I appreciate your backpack. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I'm in, I'm way too into this backpack. But it's, it's <laughs> and, and like this backpack's not it's not for hunting. It's not yeah. it's not at all set up hunting. Um, and I'm not saying okay, you, you're like oh, I want to try practical shooting. Buy a big <laughs> you need a backpack. <laughs> yeah, it's like no, no, just turn up with your 25 liter, right? You, yeah. you need a bag. You need to carry your stuff, but you don't need to do this. But um, because you know, once you buy the bits, it ends up adding up. But man, yeah. for what I do, and it's um making a big difference and because i'm doing a lot more exercise now um i'll load everything up and i'll walk up to the range and i'll walk around the farm yeah and then i can set up and film a video because it's got room for filming gear and stuff um yeah the, the having and then same thing bino pouch there's the binos we're going to talk about chest rigs but i'm not a huge fan but the binos have got their place and even to the point where my squad mates know after the first day that's where the binos are grab the binos help yourself Use the binos, you know what I mean? Spot. Let's let's make everyone shoot better. Use the pens. Don't be shy. Here's spare chamber flags if you use the chamber, lose your chamber mm. flag. Um, just trying to, you know, so the squad's working better, moving better, everyone's shooting better. Um, yeah, that, that for me has been just a small part in my puzzle I'm trying to put together of um, shooting better, I guess, mm. has been the backpack. And, yeah, what about you? What do you use? you got a big... Chungus of a backpack, don't you? No, I had. Well, yeah, I I carried. Um, I don't think I did with Tarata. The last Tarata I did, I carried up my big stone glacier, my R three pack, which yeah was basically an expedition pack. But um, that, I guess, what I've been pushing towards is is moving some of the stuff out of my backpack and onto my hips. So. Yeah, that that was the last time I think I brought the big, big backpack. I've done it before, and I've gone through lots of different backpacks, high ground gear packs, boutique little backpack companies. That I had guys in America trying to buy a particular pack off me. It ended up going back to America in the end because the guy's like, I can't get it anymore. I want it. Send it back to me. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, these days what I've done is I'm running a – and I'll wear the same thing on the range. If I'm out on the range or there's guns around, I've got my – essentially what – the military guys would, I think, term a battle belt on yeah. or a holster rig or something like that. I don't have a pistol holster on it, but if I, yeah. So they, I actually run a um, 
back from pistol times. Oh, this is where I got the idea from. So the inner Velcro loop, mm-hmm. right? So you've got an inner Velcro belt and then the, the belt goes over top of it. So it's not going anywhere. It doesn't jangle around and anything because I've got a bit of weight on it. So, so anyway, so that's the belt. And then on the belt, I have pouches. So I'm going to have my Kestrel, my Rangefinder, Mag Pouch, IFAC Trauma Kit, um, if I was hunting, I'd put a PRB on it. But and the other thing I'm going to put on is a drop drop pouch, basically, so to put some ammo and stuff into there. Um, so doesn't matter what I'm doing, that's on my hip. And I, I suppose yeah. it's just the thing. Like my first aid, I want it on my hip. I've normally got yeah. some more stuff in my pockets, but I want it on my hip and mag pouch and stuff like that. So that's all on my hip, and then my backpack is more um, ammo, bulk ammo, and sustainment, meaning food and water yep. and a jacket. Yep. So I, I get to the stage, I dump my backpack down, which is stuff I don't really need, apart from ammo, but loaded mag, you know, loaded mag up. Mm-hmm. And then everything else is basically on my hips. The one thing I've been trying to figure out, though, yes, is that front pouch, bino pouch, but they all suck when you try and go prone, really, for the amount. When we spend a bit of time prone... And it's just a, yeah, I just find it, I want to take it off for that. So whether there's a super slim bino pouch, maybe that's really high, like chest rigs, you're right, which you can't see in the photo, but chest rigs, which sit like the traditional chest rig sits down around your gut. Mm -hmm. So I've always wanted stuff up high here, which is the bino pouches. But even then, yeah, I find they just extend out a little bit too far. I find. So binos, yeah, normally sit in the backpack, I suppose. Yeah, I yeah, I, even for me, um, I trialed um, uh, bino harnesses, yeah. chest mounted for a while, several hunts, and not just my normal quad bike hunting, like big missions into the mountains. Um, I had to crawl sort of prone through a bunch of shitty Spaniard grass and scrub, and uh, keep so the sort of they were like a, a Velcro and magnet sort of system, so yep. semi quick quick deploy, not a zipper. Yeah. Um, and they keep getting pulled open, and yeah, then okay. my and then I had a pair of geovids with me, you know, like four four and a half five thousand dollar thing, and they keep falling out. You yeah. try not to damage them, so I imagine something with a zipper would have helped me then. But it was also something off my chest, and mm. I wasn't a big fan. That, that's what I um because I I brought in and sold the ribs packs for a long time as well, which are the the they're they're, they're more they're a front pack. I always rode them high, and they are quite good. And for hunting, I still use them because you can have stuff here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for a shooting discipline where I'm going to spending a fair bit of time on my stomach, I do find they just um, yeah, they don't help. And they they if they compress now, you're back to you're almost like lying on the dirt again. Your your breathing's getting compressed again as well. So yeah. some and guys I mean, use them. I've seen guys use them. I love them. But um, the thing is with our current matches, you don't need your binoculars during your stage. You're yeah. giving your distances. Yeah. You've got your dope hopefully sorted. <laughs> Not always. Hopefully. And, <laughs> but, but, yeah, so your binos are in your bag or, or your teammates, sorry, your, um, yeah. your, your squad mates are using them. Now, if we get to the stage, which hopefully we do, um, of a North Island event, that is a teams match where it's completely blind stages. You will be required to have binoculars with um, binos, and ideally you'd have a rangefinder bino combo. Yep. Then, then okay. Now, now it's a thing. Now, the the sport and the game requires me to be more efficient with. I've got to measure my own targets. So maybe yeah. we, we if if we do manage to pull something together, yes. But at the moment, with 
I'll I'll We're talk doing... to you about that after the show as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I I can see for a particular thing, and like I say, for hunting, I've run bin- the full bino pouch as well. Uh, I've got a bush buck. I'm still keen to try the twin needle. Um, hunter's element. There's many options, and I'm sure some will fasten better than others, and all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, the one funny thing I did, I did take my battle belt once um, hunting because I thought I'll put a knife on and everything, and that's when I realised that half my pouch was a Velcro, which is not right. ideal when you're trying to get a rangefinder out and trying to range something. And there's <laughs> so it's like, yeah, okay. Um, I may develop one just just specifically for hunting. But yeah, actually today, funnily enough, my my backpack, my Stone Glacier small, we'll call it the day pack, um, I pulled the hip belt out of it because I was like, yeah, I don't use the hip belt on this because I got my my actual belt underneath it. I just want something on my shoulder. So, yeah, no, I do love I do love my backpacks, man, and it's um it's yeah, it's a worthy quest trying to find the perfect backpack. I do need to go. You mentioned your 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 belt system, so I I don't I'm not a huge fan of a lot being around my waist. Yeah, I run a um uh one of the oh well, the, the mag pouches made in New Zealand for the AIs um black something black, black industries yeah made down black in the south yeah Jeff teed up with them and they made the AI ones pretty cool black air. works well maybe yep. yeah and um <laughs> it's it's anyway it's it, it's great so I run that because having a spare mag and not having it in a pocket because pockets are hard when you're prone and stuff it, it's black gear but yes yeah yeah um, <laughs> thank you. And, no problem. <laughs> um, but I do. I'm going to get a riggers belt with the loop for the for the um, yeah. carabiner because um, I run just my leather like farm belt, um, and so I just hook it through the big buckle. But it sort of twists and it's a bit ugly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and not really the intended use of said belt. So I, I will get a, rig, a a smaller riggers belt, I guess, just for for supporting that. Um, that well, carabiner. what's what's kind of cool, and again, it's it, esoteric belt discussion coming up is that they're now developing lighter weight versions of the rigger belts and the the dual you know the inner outer belt systems as well that the inner belts aren't quite as stiff as the traditional pistol ones because we mm. don't need them that stiff because we're not actually wearing a rig on it a pistol rig on it and then the the actual outer belt is yeah becoming more lightweight so it's the skeleton skeletonized kind of molly and stuff like that that's and, cool yeah. I'm looking at one Blue Force gear where they've actually, instead of it being that way, they're tilting it slightly because human hips and bodies do not go that yeah. way. So they're tilted slightly. Um, yeah, there's a few, there's a few kind of cool options out there as well. And I, I think I'm going to end up with using the inner belts. There's inner belts that basically just work as a normal everyday belt. Um, but then having a couple of different outer battle belts, depending what you whether you're hunting or shooting, basically. Yep. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's one of those things. You, yeah. I've, I've gone from super heavy big pack pack and trying to carry because I always I've always tended to carry extra stuff, extra first aid, probably some extra food, extra water. Not for me, for other people sometimes as well because that's it just I got used to doing that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, slowly backing off and going. Well, you know, I've got twenty liters in the truck. If they can make it down to the truck and help themselves, if they're really out of water, I don't need to yeah. haul it around the mountain for them. So, yeah, so it's so cool. So, yeah, backpack front packs. Um, you mentioned your fix-it stick, so it made me think of something else. How much of a toolkit are you carrying around on a hill with you? Uh, fix, I, I, I 
well, the early fix that stick sets, I believe you're the same one. Um, yeah. She's got your basic weird talks and a few flats and Phillips and bits and pieces in there and Alan, um, Alan heads. Uh, I keep a couple of small scope specific Allen keys in there. Um, so the Zeiss runs a Torx head for the scopes now, which is good, but kind of annoying. It's good, but it's different from all the ones I already had. So I did yes. that and then I've got um, a couple of small common sizes for if I have to slip turrets or like, yeah. like if I have to re-zero, I don't know. They're in there because that comes to the range with me and they weigh nothing. Um, and then that's really it. And that's mm. those little fix that sticks. Like people go, oh, I don't want to spend. They are worth their weight in gold for like, I still see scopes come loose to competitions um, and then they're like running around having to ask. Um, yeah. Or they're having trouble with their gun. Something's always, oh, I'm a bit unsure. So you just get a fix. It sticks out. Click, 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 click. And everything's good. Or, okay, that was a tiny bit loose. Now I can, okay, my zero is slightly off now, but I can still work with that or whatever. Yeah. <sighs> worth their weight in gold for field shooting and, and just general rifle assembly. Um, they are exceptionally good gear. Um, I mean, like we guess keeps getting said, but if Rocket Lab's using them, mm. maybe they're okay for our guns. Um, and they offer, yeah, all sorts. Even to the point you can get like um, specific heads at settings for like doing up night force um, turrets yeah. and stuff. To like the well, I got the I got the extended like bit that now goes up into the action screws in a lot of chassis because a lot of them, the chassis you can't actually get up there. Yeah, because of the way the system works. Yeah, so I've got a bit that fits up onto all the yep. Remington seven hundred and probably yeah. other and chassis action screws. Yeah, I actually had I got the same. I just bought a set of um, they're actually impact driver ones for, for, from Bosch, so they're really hardy. They don't a lot, a lot of the the Torx drivers you get they're really cheap material. Yeah, so it's really easy to shear the ends. So if you go impact driver ones, they're um, a lot sturdier. So I've got the extended hmm. set of those tucked in the side pocket also because, like you say, the MDT. XRS, the LSS, and all the other ones, or yep. pistol grips. Um, well, anything with pistol grip, you need, yeah, you're getting up into yeah. that. Yep. So, yeah, no, well, same with me. I mean, I've always got the Leatherman, so I've also got a pair of pliers and a, and a rough screwdriver and a pry bar and a knife in my pocket anyway. And you'd be amazed how often you actually just need to use pliers and what pliers yeah. will do. I've, I have actually, I managed to, and I put a post up in the, the lab, they replaced it, they were pretty good. I did manage to pop off one of the the um, plier heads once trying to cut some high tensile wire um, mm -hmm. in a fence line. So um, in the middle of a shoot, trying to basically fix the target as the case was on that one. But, yeah. Um, so, did, yeah. Yeah. I did actually used to carry a small, my hands are over here, um, little compact cleaning kit that had a put-together rod, some brushes, uh, Patches, say for um, a stuck case or uh, bore obstruction. A uh, friend had a um, round somehow go in, jam in the lands. He ejected it, powder everywhere, and he on barrel maybe. No, no, it just was I don't know dodgy reload, and it just proceeded okay. too far out. Like it never went off, and um, yeah, and but then he couldn't knock it out and end up wrecking my kit trying to do it. I never got a new one, but um. <laughs> but yeah, like the idea being like I've, a few cases of times of these stuck cases, like um, yeah. separated cases, you, you run a like a, a brush with a few patches around it. So it's yeah. a bit big for the barrel. And when it picks up on that case, it'll grab the, the, the burrs and the brass and hopefully pull the stuck case out. I should really go back to having that backup in there because yeah, it sucked to miss out on 
most of a day's shooting, you'd yep. like a bit of shit down your barrel. That could be remedied by probably a little bit of kit. Mm. Mind you, I don't have, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, good. Tools, yes, tick, done. Uh, and then the last thing, which is just, it's one of those odd ones, but it, it's relevant because I've just finished my uh, seventh, but it's a, on the sixth sixth rule of the seven rules of firearm safety, which is store firearms and ammunition safely and securely. Yeah. Uh, what case are you using? Are you using traveling of soft cases? Do you throw everything in a hard case? How do you get your gun to the range? For the most part, because I generally... Travelling five minutes down the road? <laughs> well, no, RTD's 40 minutes. But, uh, oh, okay, sorry. It includes right. driving through the front. Okay, um, right. No, I've got a couple of the, um, they're just hard cases I bought from Super Cheap Auto. They're just yeah. the big Tool Pro, the maximum size ones. I, you, I waited for them to be on sale for like 140 bucks each. And I raced down and grabbed two of them and um, one big match gun will go in it without a suppressor. Um, I could fit two like hunting guns in each one. Once you've got vertical pistol grips and big scopes, it takes up most of them. Yeah. I've got a couple of 22s, but I can, you know, put the bipod in. Now, I didn't pluck the foam in mine because they don't, once you pluck the foam, they sort of turn turn to trash a bit. Oh. So I just leave it and it just compresses nicely, holds the gun super snug. Um, and, you know, they can go in the back of the ute and if something falls on them or if we've got some target steel in there, it's not going to damage the firearms. Mm. And then I've also got, uh, one of the big issues is, with soft bags is the fact that um, the majority of them are built for like small um, streamlined hunting setups. So now we've got. Well, I, I, again, I've got two two cases downstairs when they turned up, the bags weren't even zip close. And they were only, they were hunting, they're not pistol grip chassis rigs. It's just that scopes have getting, gotten bigger. Yep. Basically. Yeah. And, but um, so some, I actually got, obviously, I do a bit of stuff with outdoor sports and howler and shoot howlers and competition and stuff. Um, yep. They sent me their, I don't know if I sell yet, but their new howler, they've done a bag, um, but it's actually tall for a scope and pretty long and um, really well padded. And it's quite sleek actually. Um, so I can actually put like my competition gun without a suppressor, albeit in this, zip it up nice and smooth. And um, now I wouldn't have it rolling around in the back of a truck, but I'll have yeah. it running on the back seat quite comfortably. Yeah. Um, it's not bit. not based on the ridgeline sniper drag bags. No, it's not, a, it's not a drag bag. It's it's like a conventional bag made for made better. <laughs> like it's okay. probably just like a generic bag you get from China and they put their brand on it. But it's, yeah, I know. No, no. But the, the, the one bag I've always recommended to people is if when you could hunt it down was ridgeline. Did it? They called it the sniper drag bag. It wasn't really a drag bag, but it's the bag that they called it. And because um, they are the Ridgeline guys, so. yeah, I, that's what I, that's why I'm asking whether whether they've just had it rebranded for Howard. Um, Because yeah, those were those are great bags when you can get them. There's two lengths. I got the slightly shorter one. My short, they both fit perfectly into my Nanook, which would be the same as Pelican, which might be the same as a super cheap case. Um, I've so, seen yeah. the no, it's not one of these. It's not one of those. Okay, that's cool. I've seen these. They have these at Magnum Sports sometimes. Yeah, and I, I rip off. Mini uh, rip off one of the the um, the backpack straps. I rip off the external pouch, the big pouch yep. thing they've got, and I rip off half the the um, tie downs they've got inside. I leave one to slip a barrel through. But yeah, they've been for my match guns or anything big with stuff. They've just been great, and like I say, they fit pretty much perfectly into one of those bigger hard cases. 
So when I when I traveled down to South Island last, I left it in the ridge line, put it inside there. That got me all my compliance and everything for flying with it. And then when I got up to the day, I pulled the bag out. And now I've got a ba- basically a rifle bag with a backpack strap on it and carried it up to the line. And it was great. So, you know. Yeah. Um, I've just got a message from the, from, from the supplier that knew how a bags were designed and made New Zealand. Oh, there we go. Okay. It's just popped up. So, yeah, so I've just heard they are made in New Zealand. I'm not sure if they're out yet, no doubt. A new okay. message will pop through. Um, yeah, they're not those. <laughs> those look pretty cool, though, actually, um, those ridge lines, not the gun bags. Yeah. Bits. So, yeah. Eh? They're expensive, the one I can see. Yeah. I'm sure they are. Yeah. So is my gun that carries uh, it. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's a good way of looking yeah. at it. It's like, it's like, man, I've got a $10,000 gun. Oh, no. Yeah, man, I'll, I'll, I'll put bag. it in a yeah, $50 bag. I don't want to. Yeah. That's that I got off some one-day deals. Yeah. There's some false economies going on, but yeah, I mean, and yeah, so some not dissimilar, man. And I've got so I've got that, and then I've got the um, yeah, I've got a Nanook, which is basically one of the big hard cases, which is currently somebody's borrowing who's just flown down to the South Island with her TAC A1 in it. And same yeah. thing, I didn't I didn't pull the foam out of it because I find it all sits on there, and then I can use multiple firearms in it and everything. So, um. I've actually talking to some guys to do the custom um, cuts, though. They'll actually, you know, you can plan it all out and get it cut specifically for your firearm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I don't think I, I won't do it for that case. I'll probably do it. I've got a smaller case, and I'm going to do one probably to hold the lab radar and all my range gear and, and do that because that's that is my fixed setup. Whereas um, I've got a couple of big cases because and good cases because you can use them for all your different guns. It's, yep. You know. Exactly. So, I mean, if you've only got one system, but yeah, if you're running well, multiple rigs, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've got the hard case and I can use the other case separately and fit to it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I've got a, a garage full of boxes and cases, really, because, yeah. So, yeah. What else? I think we've got most of it. Must be. Yeah. Cool. All right. Tick, tick, done, done, done. Sweet. Cool. So you got your ticket for um, Takara? Yep. Yep. Takara. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it because I'm in a bit of a 22 mode at the moment. I, I was going to try and sort a 22 event around here, but it's just trying to slip it in with the raw and duck shooting. It's, um, yeah. But hard. So I'll sort of I'll flag it for a few months and revisit it in, um, after winter, probably. Well, we're we're working towards our one. Um, exactly what shape that will take, I don't know yet. To be honest, it might be a small one to get us back into the groove of things and build it from there again. So, yep. going out in a week or two to the to the the spot and try and figure out some you know stages and target a race. Yeah, I think it's some more information out. So, yeah, yeah, if I do if I do one here, I'm just going to be quite field orientated. Like we're going to use quite a steep little area and. Um, yeah, less yeah, more field, less yep. PRS style. Um, yeah, just just to because like yeah, just to mix it up a bit maybe, but we'll see whether it happens or not. Well, I was talking to somebody recently, and they were just talking about different events, and you know they're like, oh, this event there'd be more of this. I'm like, but that's the beauty of it. All the events, all the event guys doing them have their own likes, dislikes, flavors. So you've got different events. It's not the same event just in a different area in the country, which is what's kind of cool, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. Long may it wait, stay that way. All right, mate. Uh, anything else? What else you got? 
That's no, it. I think that's about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah. Um. Yep. No, that's sweet. Cool. All right, lads. So people are listening through. Thank you very much. People are listening afterwards. Thank you very much as well. Um. As always. Do get in touch. Let us know if there's other stuff you want to talk about. I'm kind of keen to get, I was talking to Graham about it, keen to get more of this stuff, which is some gear orientated, some technique orientated as well, and then a mix of um, event reports in there, but but everything and who knows, maybe talk about precision hunting a little bit as well now and there. You know, it's everything. All right, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next week. Have a good weekend. Cheers, Graham. Bye-bye. thanks for listening to the show please if you enjoyed it make sure you're subscribed either by your podcast app of choice or by heading on to precisionshooter.co.nz and subscribing even better if you want you can support us directly by joining up which also gets you access to all the articles and members only content not only on precision shooter but also the bloke.co.nz thanks again for listening in and uh, until next time have a good one